All right. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you may be. Thank you for joining us. Another episode of Catching Up with Jacob and Catching Up with all of us. Jacob, how you doing tonight? I'm doing okay in Jesus. Praise the Lord. Uh, very briefly, um, I'd like to just say a couple of things at the beginning concerning prayer requests, and then I'll be coming to America soon, but introduce the other Yes, kind of yeah, like we'll, we'll let you, you're trying to get ahead, Jacob, going to hold you yes. back a little bit here. Uh, well, he's back from the Far East, David Lister. How are you, David? David, I think you're muted. I think we muted you, or you muted yourself, one of the two. Yeah, I just, we're working back here with, Mia's back. All right, God bless you, Mia. Yeah. God bless you guys. Uh, David, I thought uh, the, 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 the It's good to be back. I, I don't know if it was the NSA was censoring you, but your mic went off. So, um, you know. Yeah, I, I turned it off because we were working <laughs> on taxes. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Down under, David, how are you, Davey? Doing pretty good, thanks. Good to be here with you all. God bless you, brother. And Jay, off the 101. Yes. Yeah. Hello from sunny, kind of sunny California. Yeah, it's kind of sunny out there today. Yeah, it's uh, it's been overcast. I think it's just, we got some rain coming up, but good to see you, Jay. Good to see you. God bless you. Uh, Jacob Prash, you got some announcements? Let's do it now, and then uh, uh, we'll proceed with the other announcements. Go ahead. We've been announcing a prayer request. When I was in India, we expected a lot of opposition when we opened a new church. Well, we only had a little bit of opposition when the church was opened, and God has blessed it, but now there is a kickback. Um and it's not just from radical Sikhs, it is from police government officials that have been police complaints um, and investigations going on. Again, it's it's just persecution. Um, please keep Moriel India in prayer, particularly the situation in the Punjab. The, we have a church, a new church, on the border between India and Pakistan and the Punjab, between the Muslim city of Lahore and the Sikh city of Amritsar. And a lot of spiritual opposition. But the church is beautiful. The people are beautiful. The church is growing. Um, but the devil is not taking it sitting down. So please keep the situation in prayer in India. And pray for Mark Jackson, myself, and also for Pastor Vijay. Pastor Vijay, please pray that the Lord will intervene. I am due to be coming to the United States soon. I'll be speaking in New York City on the 27th at the Church of the Open Door in East Greenwich Village on 3rd Avenue and 7th Street. Details are on the Moriel website, the itinerary page, or you can just Google Moriel itinerary. Um, That's January, right, Jacob? I'm sorry, what, am I, what did I say, February? You didn't say any month. Okay, January, the yeah, well, the 27th this month. Uh, we shall be there. Um, and on the following day, the 28th, we shall be at the Church of the Open Door in Baltimore. After that, we will be with the Massey Foundation in Texas, and we will be in California with Marco um, Quintana in, in DeVore, and we shall also be back in New York City again in early March. Again, the dates are on the website. Finally, we have for some in Florida, too. Oh, sorry, Southern sorry. Florida, Jacob. I forgot Florida. We shall be in Florida as well. Um, please visit the website. Uh, I forget the exact 
dates and location in Florida. I just know I'm going there. No. Yeah, they, they can visit the website for sure. The itinerary is there. If you want yeah. any more further questions, you can drill down on the website for sure. And and a statement that will only be pertinent to people mainly, at least mainly, in Great Britain. This week, um, Roger Forster gave up the ghost. Roger Forster and myself were at theological odds with each other very often. He was one of the kingpins of the restoration movement, of the house church restoration movement that believed in three things that I always said were never scriptural. They wanted to restore three things that were never scriptural. Their view of prophetic authority, where people could predict things that don't happen and still be considered prophets, very much like Mike Bickle and the Kansas City prophets, they were in bed with them. Their view of apostolic authority, which was not biblical, it was monarchical, and in some cases, it could it, it did result in heavy shepherding. I'm not saying Roger Forster himself was a, into heavy shepherding, but it had that kind of structure. And the third thing, of course, was dominion theology, that they're going to conquer the whole world for Christ before he comes. Roger Forster taught a lot of error. He was a number one proponent of um, annihilationism in England. Him and the late John Stott, now neither one of them are with us, and neither one of them any longer, I don't believe, still hold to the view of, of annihilationism. He was also a proponent of replacement theology. Now, I don't rejoice or celebrate his death at all. I don't judge his salvation or his intentions. But he um, had his own take on the views of Arthur Wallace, who was sometimes right but usually wrong, and of somebody called Austin Sparks. Uh, again, Austin Sparks said a lot of good things, but Roger Foster had his own spin or his own take on these people. I am not judging him or his motives, but his theology was wrong. He misled a lot of people. He led the Ichthus Fellowship, and he's gone. I do think his departure, now that Gerald Coates and others in that movement, they're also gone, not all of them, but it's a turning point in Britain. I think it's uh, Mike Bickle is gone. He was the American counterpart in many respects. Kansas City prophets are history, who they again were teamed up with, but now Roger Forster is gone. Um, I am not mourning his death, but neither am I celebrating it. But I am saying the man taught a lot of error and did a lot of damage. And I just hope that this will be an opportunity for the cause of truth to go forward. And people who were caught up in his ictus fellowship will see through the errors that he's left as his legacy. Such is it. Um, that's only for people in Britain who know who Roger Foster was it, and who know about Ickler's Fellowship and the Restoration Movement. The Restoration Movement in England was a forerunner of the of the New Apostolic Reformation of the NAR. Enough of that. Marco? Very good. Thanks, Jacob, and we appreciate it and uh, looking forward to seeing you, of course, in the States and uh, looking forward to, uh, and, and I believe you're going to Australia, New Zealand in, uh, uh, in the spring, uh, Asia. What would that be? The fall, uh, just prior to yeah. uh, winter time over there. So that would be great. Uh, and Davey, looking forward to having Jacob over there. That'd be a lot of fun with you guys, isn't it? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Davey, is that uh, is that fall season over there? 
it'll be yeah late fall going into winter yep oh perfect time good time good time absolutely we're looking forward to that more details to come in terms of jacob's visit to australia new zealand it'll be a lot of fun uh to be there as well uh i don't think we have any more announcements we have any more announcements david did you have an announcement that we talked about florida uh texas uh, texas drive california new york well we covered everything jacob i'm gonna go back to you uh, this is something unique that we started a couple of weeks ago. It's called a hot take. And um, I, I suppose um, it's getting hot. It's getting hot in the world. It's getting hot in, uh, of course, in the uh, in the aspects of war and rumors of war. But your hot take specifically today has to do with what's going on here in America. I'm going to turn it over to you. You got your hot take, Jacob. Go. Okay. There are two aspects to what we see transpiring in the aftermath of the Iowa caucus and of the upcoming primary election in New Hampshire, where people can vote across party lines. In other words, Democrats can try to vote for the Republican who's going to be the weakest candidate against the Democrat nominee. Uh, And the Republican Party establishment, the Koch brothers, people like that, are backing Nikki Haley, are backing Nikki Haley. Unfortunately, Governor DeSantis is not a major player in New Hampshire. He's moving on to the Carolinas. But New Hampshire will be be significant following Iowa. This is happening at a time where you see people like Senator Rand Paul, who's a libertarian slash conservative, but he's primarily a libertarian, warning about Nikki Haley. Now, one time I liked Nikki Haley when she was the U.S. ambassador to the U.N., I thought she was effective. And uh, by all accounts, she was a reasonably good governor. Um, But it's evident that she is a rhino. And compromising on border issues and a number of other things, um, she's an establishment Republican. She's not a conservative. So you're beginning to see this conflict within the Republican Party, not just between... Donald Trump, who the Democrats are trying to politically weaponize the judicial system to keep him from getting elected or even being able to run, but running against the Republican Party establishment, who will cooperate with the Democrats against Trump. We see Fox News going in this direction. Um, They don't like Joe Biden, but they don't like Donald Trump. Now, by the way, I voted for Mr. Trump twice, but I would not vote for him again for a couple of reasons, the primary, the first one being his um, homosexual lesbian gala held in Mar-a-Lago. I can't vote for anybody who supported that, but I'm just reporting or observing and assessing what is happening in the aftermath of the Iowa caucus. One of the things we're seeing happening is this. In the Senate right now, Mitch McConnell is in some kind of concordance, or concordat, rather, concordance, concordat with Chuck Schumer compromising on border security. This is not the first time the rhinos have done this. Now, some rhinos, or someone I thought was a rhino, Tim Scott, at one time I thought he was a conservative, then I thought he was a rhino. Today he's come out and endorsed Donald Trump, which is interesting. Also, Marco Rubio, who is definitely a rhino, has endorsed Donald Trump. So it's a very, very confusing playing field. But there is a basic lineup between the rhinos 
and the conservatives, no matter how you want to look at it. And some of the rhinos are jumping the rhino ship, um, aligning with Trump, maybe just for political motives, but it seems to be happening. Mitch McConnell is, of course, a sellout, and he will sell out unless he's politically forced to do otherwise. So it's not just Trump versus Biden or the, the Republicans versus the, versus the Democrats. It's the conservative faction of the Republican Party up against the rhinos. They're fighting a war within and without at the same time. This is also having a parallel in the Democratic Party. James Carville, who I don't like, but he's politically astute, but ideologically, I obviously don't like him. He he is warning of, of the third party candidate, Robert Kennedy, RFK's son, and that he could take a significant percentage of votes from the Democrats running as an independent. They hate him. Biden will not give him Secret Service protection, despite his father and his uncle having been assassinated, his father being assassinated when, by Sirhan Sirhan, an Arab, when his father was a uh, presidential candidate during the primaries in, in the old Ambassador Hotel in, in, in L.A. And right, it just shows you the corruption and treachery of the Democratic Party. And somebody from the iconic family of the Democratic Party, the royal family of the Democratic Party, the Kennedys, Biden is denying him, and you know the people looking over Biden's shoulder telling him what to do, denying Secret Service protection to the son of Robert Kennedy when his father was assassinated when he was running in the Democratic primaries. This is how ugly and treacherous it's become within the Democratic Party. So you've got that division. But at the same time, you have a similar division within the Tory party, the Conservative Party in Britain, over the same issue, immigration. Mm. Uh, Suella Breverman and the, and the real conservatives, who are more akin to Margaret Thatcher and of that things of that nature, an ideology of that nature, are up against um, Sunak. Sunak has something called the Rwanda Plan, which is a compromise. It will not guarantee keeping... Islamic and other refugees out of Great Britain, it's not making a strong enough provision to protect Britain from Islamic and other immigration that shouldn't be taking place. So you have a division between the conservatives and the pseudo-conservatives. <laughs> In Britain, the same as you have between the conservative Republicans and the rhino Republicans. It's a similar mess in Britain, a similar mess in America. And you've got it in the Democratic Party. Quite a situation. Now, it is very interesting this week that, among other things, that Rasmussen, which has traditionally been the most credible poll, uh, not saying any of them are perfect, but Rasmussen, uh, Rasmussen polls have more credibility than the others based on their overall success rate. The Rasmussen polls have said two things. Um, Neither one the Democrats are enjoying. One, that two-thirds of the American people, two-thirds, including pro-abortion people, believe there should be restrictions legislatively on abortion, that there should not be late-term abortion, not be partial birth abortion. Even pro-abortion people want restrictions on abortion, okay? 
That's one of the things that's happening, and the Democrats don't like that. They only believe in democracy when it suits them. When it doesn't, they want to sweep it under the rug. But the other thing is, a majority of the country believes that Biden is not running the country, Obama is. That Obama is running the Biden administration through proxies. That is very, very interesting. The Democrats are divided, the Republicans are divided, and in Britain, the conservatives are divided. Divided among themselves. Everybody's deciding whose side they're going to try to come down on, partially out of self-political interest and partially out of just a general uncertainty of the way things are going to go. But it's quite a mess. Quite a mess. There is no cohesion. That is my take for the week. All right, Jacob. Very good. It's on. It's on record. We'll put it out there, and uh, people can enjoy it time and time again. Uh, let's talk about some things that are going on, Jacob. We we know the WEF has uh, had their meeting this week, and uh, everyone's aware of that. At least we let them know last week, and we'll be talking about that. But one of the things they did talk about was AI. But I did want to bring up what Goldman Sachs said this week, which was really interesting. Yeah. They predict three hundred million jobs will be lost and degraded and or degraded by artificial intelligence. Now, this is regarding generative AI, which is, has to do with voice, speech, images, things like that. And I'm talking about general AI, which is much robust and sophisticated. Some people think they'll never get there. But nonetheless, if they do end up with the hype of generative AI and, and what they're supposed to be accomplishing, 300 million jobs, Jacob, that's a lot of people. Uh, we'll go to you first. How will it impact people's jobs? Then we'll go to the panel, we'll go to David and, 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 and Davey and Jay, but we'll start with you. How will it impact your job? I mean, what is Goldman Sachs saying? I, I 300 million jobs, that's quite a bit. I had dinner last night in the Carlton Club in London. If you don't know what the Carlton Club is, the Carlton Club is the dinner club and it's a political club with dining and things like this at, at, for the Conservative Party. It's, I mean, going back to Disraeli, Lord Bellflower, Winston Churchill, people like that, Benjamin Disraeli, Margaret Thatcher, quite a place with a lot of history. And I was there last night with a young executive who works in, in, in uh, on the edge of certain aspects of finance in London. And he told me that the inside word is Britain is going to lose tons of chartered accountants. Chartered accountants are called certified public accountants. In the United States, they're going to be the first ones hit. Unless it is a highly specialized chartered accountant or CPA with, a, a say, a STEM degree or a degree in petroleum production engineering, unless they're highly specialized, there's going to be a great shedding of jobs, wow. even among professionals. Now, this is obviously going to hit insurance actuaries. Actuaries are one of the highest paid professions in, in the Western world because they're, 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 they're statistical mathematicians who analyze risk assessments. The insurance industry runs on actuarial analysis. Um, th these are high paid, prestigious career jobs, and they're going to face decimation. They're going to face decimation directly due to AI. But this is only the beginning. Only the beginning. Um, 
and it's going for these high-paid professionals and executives. Yeah, much more than uh, the real-paid And it's only the beginning. What does that tell us? What Harari said is interesting. What are you going to do with these 300 million people who are now in a social parasite class, a welfare state, because there's no jobs for them? What do we need so many people for? That's the question that they're asking. Right. It, it will be hard to understand this issue extraneous to the fact that they're trying to reduce farming, agriculture, <laughs> the sustainable the population. Yeah. Um, now, what is also interesting is that the WEF conference taking place now in Davos, its main theme and purpose for this year was damage control. Yeah, trust <laughs> us. Trust us. Yeah, yeah. Trust <laughs> us. Damage control. They know globalism itself is in trouble. Um, so again, there's a confusion, a confusion coming to the, forgive me, I'm not trying to ridicule, but I am, the Schwab slobs. They're coming into a state of confusion themselves. Scriptures tell us there'll be fear and anxiety among the nations, none of them knowing the way out. That's right. Amen. Praise God that we know the way out. <laughs> That's right. And there's only one way out of this, is this world is Jesus. Uh, David Lister, real quick, how will it impact your job? We know an AI can pass a bar exam. We know it can score brilliantly on an SAT, produce great artwork, audio media. We'll talk about that in a moment. We got things like Chatbot GPT. We got uh, uh, different types of AIs now. Dell E, Chatbot GPT had five million users within five a uh, million users within five days. So companies want to save money. Of course, they're going to go to AI. But what's the downside, and how does it look like for people's jobs in the future? Well, one thing you left off. You can write sermons too which I think people and some pastors are already doing. But the one thing it can't do is have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So anyway, but uh, the bad side is people, a lot of the poor nations where you have like uh, call centers, where you have computer centers, where you have um, a lot of this can be taken over by AI. They're using voice. They're using um, messaging. They're using all sorts of things that can uh, fix the problems so quickly and be so efficient. So you're talking now, you know, when Harari was saying 300 million people, he's seeing them as eaters. And I mean, as useless people. He That's the term he used, useless at that point. Yeah, useless eaters, we, yeah. Yeah, and so what happens is they've been working on this for years with population control. You know, they want to, they're spiking food nowadays with the the COVID thing, with the possibility of more pandemics, planned or unplanned, coming that are going to happen. And so it's basically... Uh, People are going to be without jobs and with a living. And and so there's been this talk of providing people with a basic income. And I think there was somebody that planned that a long time ago. He said he'd give them enough food for a day's work. 
you know, so yes. Yeah, but so it's it's going to get bad and you know and and you know so and and worse because it'll hit the poor first. And generally in these places these people only have enough food for a day, two days, three days and when yeah. it drops yeah. off and they have no money, it's it's going to be horrible and you know that it's already hard to feed people in the third world and seeing the poverty when I go to these countries it's it's amazing and so but you know the homosexual all these things with human population control they've been working on for years and years and they want to see the decline of the population didn't Harari said hey we'll uh, save 200,000 people in an ark and flush the rest yeah, yeah, he did quite a few years ago. Quite a few years yeah. ago. Um, it, um, I don't know. Um, this is an interesting one. I mean, normally technology uh, primarily no. drives the income equality, right? It, it, the U.S. income inequality, I should say, over the past 40 years. So technology improves and then obviously wages drop because they don't need as many people uh, or they don't work. They're not able to work. But we're talking about a whole change in society here uh, yes. because it's not just AI. It also comes with robotics. It's yeah. like a double disruption, double disruption. So uh, does anyone want to comment on the AI double disruption with robotics, which are, uh, they're going to come ubiquitous, according to the World Economic Forum, as, as, as ubiquitous as electricity or the internet has become. And I had one thing that, that uh, Jacob, he said, high paying jobs, well, newspapers are in giant trouble. They're, the LA Times is going to have a massive layoff. The union called it the big one. Uh, the Washington Post lost $100 million last year. So these billionaires need these newspapers to help manipulate people. And so it's hit, you can see it's hit writers, it's hitting news, it's hitting uh, the Hollywood industry. So it's going to change our lives in ways and it's going to happen quickly. But as robotics, look, now you're t you don't need as many uh, the the recent strike up at, at the automobiles they were fighting because with the new plants and new machines you don't need as many people so it's also hitting silicon valley it's hitting social yeah. media on you know not thousands yet but hundreds yeah, yeah. hitting hollywood social media um silicon valley so detroit what does the future look like then people you know people to eat UBI? We ultimately know throughout history we have had the view that machines are our servants yes machines are our servants our tools our servants revelation 13 tells us it's going to come to a time a point with the image of the beast where a machine that's going to be animated with it's literally going to be animated with breath. Um, a machine combined with a demonic infusion, a satanic infusion, a machine is going to see people as its servants. Instead of us seeing our car, our computer, you know, our pneumatic drill, our servants, a machine will see the human race as its servant. Only the machine will be, of course, satanically controlled and animated. Now, that's what it's coming to. 
But if you told that to the average unsaved person, even though they may be able, able to understand how it could happen, we're not talking about science fiction anymore. We're just talking about science and technology. They're still not going to believe the gospel, most of them. Yeah. But for those who do believe the gospel, we are to keep an eye on what these things mean, and they're going to Revelation 13. That is for sure. The question yeah, is how fast? Yeah, the, the, obviously, universal basic income comes a big part of that and how people are going to sustain themselves. The rise of artificial intelligence will even Absolutely. make some engineer um, obsolete, uh, which is the goal, isn't it? To have AI ride its own software. That That's really the goal. That's right correct. now, Right now, it's just self-driving cars. Right now, they can play chess. Right now, they can make images. But the goal is ultimately... Uh, programming, which is what you've been talking about, Jacob, from Revelation 13, about the yes. of the beast being able to speak, being able to, obviously, would be demonically uh, empowered. And so a lot of things are going on, but one of the things that it's 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 coming to a head is what this called this AI warfare. And I don't know if you guys, we, we talked yes. a little bit about Roger Stone and these AI-generated fake audio that was trying to implicate Roger Stone, which is a Trump supporter. Uh, basically, he was swatted. He was swatted and investigated because somebody made an AI snippet of his own voice saying they need to kill uh, Nadler, Jerry Nadler, and Swalwell, Eric Swalwell, uh, which are members of Congress. And he was immediately investigated. It was, you know, he had to prove that he didn't do it. He went to a, a speech ac expert. They found out that there was 92% AI for sure. Uh, so it, it's quite an interesting thing that now it's becoming an AI warfare. Not only images, audio, they can make you say things on the internet that you never said. They can make you be in places that you've never been. And I think yes. it was the Galaxy, which is a new phone that's coming out, uh, Jay. It's the new Galaxy. What's the number? I, I'm not sure, but... Um... Oh, like the new Galaxy 35. I don't know, I have no idea. Whatever number it is. And you can actually take a picture of somebody and manipulate the picture, put him somewhere where the picture wasn't yeah, taken. Remove or the background and, ch and change it, yeah. Move, yeah, move the person, make them do this, make them do that. And all you did was take a normal picture. So we're in this age where you don't trust anything that is on the internet anymore. Uh, we've been in that, but now it's it's hitting a crescendo. They call this the AI Fugazi because it was a fake. But how long, Jacob, until nefarious characters begin to use AI to plant things against Christians, against believers, against conservatives, etc., etc. Of course. Of course. Absolutely. But we have to understand something. It's not just the AI. It's the zeitgeist. It's the spirit of the age. It's the spirit of Antichrist. Um, not the technology itself, but the way, as you point out, it's going to be used and misused. I look again to uh, to the book of Revelation, verse 15 of, of Revelation 13. And there was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, an animated automaton that has a pneuma, a spirit. That's the term in Greek. So when God breathed on Adam, he became a living soul. Or when Jesus rose from the dead and breathed on the apostles in John 20, received the Holy Spirit, Satan is going to do that with some kind of a super robot. And we can see the technological means, certainly, for this evolving into a reality. Um, I'm convinced. I am convinced. 
I've been warning for many years we're seeing a rapprochement between science and the occult. I've been saying that for 25 years. And we've only seen the beginning. Yeah. I saw it coming in laser holography. I saw it coming in particle physics. I saw it coming in holistic medicine. But only recently have I begun to see it coming in quantum computing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and of course, uh, this issue with the AI, okay, it's, it's probably going to get squashed pretty soon. But uh, you can make anybody say something on the internet. You can make anybody say anything, and it's going to come to persecution, I believe. Uh, if you watch some of the WF um, forum um, uh, breakaway sessions, when they talked about AI, and, and they actually were able to translate, one of the ones is fascinating, Javier Malay, the president of Argentina, was there, and he spoke. Yeah. And, and, and the AI translated it into English with his accent, with his voice. Uh, as Jay pointed out, they made his lips move a certain way. It was incredible, better than the dub version that you would call it, right? The dub version that they normally have in English and to, from Spanish to English. So we're living in that age. Yes, Marco, but what you're saying is something else we've been talking about for 25 years or more. Man thinking he can reverse the curse of the Tower of Babel. That's right. With AI, you're going to have somebody speaking one language being understood in another within a fraction of a second. Oh, it's, yeah. AI translation and and lip sync. Yeah, we're there. We're there. You know, God cannot allow that to happen. When mm. God placed a curse on human communication because of the Tower of Babel, yeah. he cannot allow fallen man under the influence of Satan to reverse what God has decreed. Now, I've been saying that that's going to happen with longevity and what's going to happen with language. Mm. And we're on the precipice of that happening with language. Just look yeah. at what you're talking about at the World Economic. He was speaking Spanish like he was English. <laughs> I know. It was it was quite impressive. And, and uh, I think the uh, the AI that they use, everybody was interested in it, is it's called Hygen, H-E-Y-G-E-N. And it's 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 almost it's almost live. Like you can just yes. Jacob can speak Japanese in a moment. You know, you just have him here speak Japanese uh, better than any dub version that I've seen so far. So, uh, and we're just like you said, Jacob. We're just at the beginning. It's just the onset. What the internet and social media did, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Now AI is going to disrupt everything, but a much faster scale in a much detrimental way. You know, I've, I've wasted thousands of hours of my life studying and practicing to speak foreign languages. <laughs> <laughs> See, all you had to do is wait it out a few years. I mean, you know, it's a... Yeah, you waited out a few years, you would have been speaking Farsi. You know, that, that, that would have been... <laughs> well, no. there goes translator jobs at the UN, which I'm yeah. all for. <laughs> <laughs> now, here we go again. Another WEF scenario. Uh, David, we'll go to you. Uh, the X, January 17th. I have the, 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 the actual breakaway session. I was able to listen to it. Uh, yeah, January 17th uh, at 11.30 CET time, whatever that time was. Uh, the host was um, some of these uh, experts in the WHO and things like that. But what they were talking about is this disease X, this variable, that could be 20 times fat uh, more fatalities, could cause more fatalities than the one that we just had in 2020. So this was uh, quite a bit of attending. Uh, the, the attendance was pretty uh, large on this. And uh, 
preparing for disease X? How can you prepare for something that it's not here yet and say there's 20 times more fatalities? Over to you. Well, the Chinese had developed a disease that uh, they tried and test on mouse, found that killed them so quickly, it was just astonishing to them, and it was 100% effective. Uh, they did some of this type testing with the bat woman and with the coronavirus, okay, manipulating it, making it have gain-of-function research. And they say they do all these things so that they can, when something like these diseases do come along, they'll be ready. But we know that that men's hearts are getting increasingly evil in these last days. When we hear people at the World Economic Forum talking like gods and say, if you mess with them, they'll kill you. Yeah. You understand that these people, look, they've been trying to lower the population, but it's too slow for them. It's not working. We're still breeding more faster than they can kill us. So what they're going to need to do is mass killing and what better way to look? They're they're using all sort you know all sorts of things being dropped from the air. Why not spread a disease through a plane out the back and just kill out whole populations? You know, it's it, it their their evilness is so is not limited. It's almost like it's not limited anymore. Mm. You know what they can do or what they want to do. So the the uh, the the unofficial number, whatever number you want to put it, it's seven million people worldwide that lost their lives um, through uh, the last virus, and I would yeah. say that the, the 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 medicine was worse than the disease, but we'll put it that way. Yeah. Now, if it's twenty times more fatality than that uh, from seven million, you're talking hundreds of you know hundred and forty million people that are going to be affected by this if their numbers are even right. Now, Ferrari, which we quoted earlier, which by the way. Uh, it's it's Barack Obama's favorite author. I don't know if you guys yeah. know that. Barack Obama's favorite author uh, has spoken at Davos several times. Um, the question of the 21st century, you guys brought it up. What do we do with all these humans? Well, I guess we can give them, he said, we can give them drugs. We can give them video games. We can give them entertainment. And uh, as Jay pointed out, aren't we already there? Yeah. yeah. Yep. We're already there in terms of, you know, the the the, the drug of choice, uh, legal drugs in different states here in America. Uh, uh, Jacob, are they telegraphing something to us here? It's a combination of them trying to control circumstances that are just developing and evolving. They're trying to control that. But also, to quote Rahm Emanuel, never let a crisis go to waste incorporated into their agenda globalism itself is facing many threats for certain reasons obviously globalism is, is facing threats now going back some time now if anyone read uh alvin toffler's books future shock and and the third wave he said this was going to happen there'd be a trend towards globalism but there'd also be a trend towards localism that would be facilitated by technology and uh, I'm not saying he, he, he was a prophet in any biblical sense, but he had a marvelously analytical mind to see the way technology was going to affect the economy and society and culture. Um, it's astounding how accurate Alvin Toffler was. 
in most respects. Uh, in fact, nearly all, all respects. Well, well, this is happening. They're trying to control it because the globalism they built itself is now in a precarious state. So they're trying to capitalize on these things to preserve and advance their own interests, even though they're not in firm control of it. They'd like to be. Think of China. China, through uh, lockdowns, uh, kept COVID from spreading, even though China invented it and Fauci lied about it. Um, when they were finally forced to lift it, look what happened. They couldn't cremate the corpses fast enough. <laughs> so they lied about it. It was the Wuhan virus. That's what it was. It was the Wuhan virus. They kept the lid on it by the lockdowns, by rigid lockdowns. And when they couldn't do that anymore, look what happened. I'm sure that the 7 million figure is wrong. It was probably at least at least 5 million in China alone. I yeah, really no, no, yeah. I, I think they're way, they're, way yeah. underreported. Way underreported. Now, there, uh, China has been making uh, mobile trucks that are crematorium, so you can just go throw them in. The next one, the next one, next one. You can go to where you have these small little pickup trucks with crematoriums on the back. Now, when you have when you have a Chinese lab already telling you that they are crafting a mutant strain of the previous virus with the kill rate of a hundred percent uh and, and their only response is well we were so surprised how rapidly it killed the mice it is i mean it, it's almost like you're ready to just check out and go be like you know what they're telling you what they're doing they're boasting about it you know whether they want to control this aspect or that aspect well they, they, that is true but the reality is that they're they're promoting the idea that we can just make a virus at least in the in this lab, and nope. I mean, have you seen any protests about it? Have you seen any any government saying this is absolutely uncalled for? You need to call back all these scientists and put them in prison. You can't create a lab. You can't create a mutant uh, the disease like that. It's going to kill everybody. Yes. Not some people said it's like the, when the the Americans developed the atomic bomb, but I would say this is quite a bit quite a bit different, isn't it? Because there there's one nation that was doing it and it was going to use it for a certain purpose and nope, has never been used again. They seem to just be at will wanting to use any of these pathogens, which, by the way, there are 64 pathogens that have actually uh, been scheduled, funded, uh, that could be released. And this is the scary thing. 64 pathogens really have been created? I mean, what kind of the world are we living now? 61's that we know about. By the way, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every I, many I governments, yeah. many governments are doing these experiments, or funding them, or working and cooperating. It's just like evil has been let loose upon the Absolutely. world. There's no restraining it. You know, the, the new one is the, the heart failure one. The heart failure one's called yeah. Vexit. You know, which is this is what's it's a variant. So if anybody has a heart failure, it, oh, don't worry about it. It's just a variant of the old virus. Uh, it's called Vexit syndrome. Uh, auto-inflammatory ailment. So, you know, you'll never get away with, you know, whatever whatever has happened to humanity over the past four years. Nobody's ever going to say, well, this is because of this. It'll always be some kind of an excuse to say, well, this is because this disease and that disease. 
and now you got Pfizer who's very big on heart failure medicine all of a sudden they want to they want to control the heart failure medicine uh, why? Because they got uh, you know some money to make myocarditis and pericarditis. That's on their schedule uh, to control it. Chinese uh, scientists creating mutant coronavirus. The who, the who talking about X disease. I mean, if you put it all together, it makes you think like, okay, Lord, Lord, you got to intervene. Yep. What, what does the Bible say about pestilences increasing? Yeah, it'll yep. be increasing. Yeah. Marco, what about you know like people are so in love with money. It's the root of all. God says the love of a bunny is the root of all evil, and we're seeing everyone is chasing money. We're inventing money out of nothing. <laughs> Just and, print them zero and, zero and zero to to satisfy the demand for for riches and wealth, and it's corrupting people in so many ways that it's just unbelievable. Yeah, uh, another thing that they, uh, go ahead, Jacob. Relative to what David said. Uh, I've spent a lot of time in China. Well, fair amount. Okay. And I, I remember I was in China once and there was a party conference in Beijing. I was not in Beijing, but I was in China. And there was a purge within the party ranks. It's when Jinping began trying to consolidate power. And they closed down the internet nationally. The party, the government closed down the web. Now they used the dark web. Believers knew about the dark web to get into the internet and get emails out through Hong Kong. Um, we normally think of the dark web as something that child pornography or something or or illegal uh, money laundering and things like that. Um, in China, it, it was just an underground Wi-Fi. You know what I mean? A, a free Wi-Fi the government couldn't control. Um, the party is obsessed with keeping power. And it has a problem. It has three ideologies that work concurrently that they have to keep working in some kind of a functional harmony. The first is the old ideology of Mao, and Jinping is a neo-Maoist, not because he believes in Marxism or Leninism, but because he believes in that kind of power and the Red Book and the ideology of power, not the, not the socio-economic or political ideology, but the use of it to control people. Second, is when Nixon went to went to China. Uh, <clears throat> capitalism. They knew they communism didn't work. So even though they were communists, they opened up to market forces. That was the second. But now the state is taking over the corporations. Every corporation is an agency of the state now. It's Absolutely. state capitals. Yeah, CCP. The third thing is that, and Westerners don't understand this about Asia. It's true all over Asia. It's true in Singapore, even. Even in the most Western Asian countries, it's true. Is Confucianism. Confucianism is there, well, they have religions like Taoism and things like this, but Confucianism is the moral philosophy to which they subscribe. Confucianism is based on the idea of a benevolent dictator, a benevolent emperor. This is ingrained in the psyche of the Far East. In Japan, it's Shintoism, but in China, and it's, it's ingrained. What Confucianism says is, if the emperor, if the strong man, takes care of the people and they're allowed to prosper, okay, we don't care about democracy as long as we're prospering. 
Um, this was understood by Lee Kuan Yew in Singapore with the People's Action Party. Yeah. It was basically a non-democratic one-party state, but as long as the people had a relative freedom and they were prospering financially, they didn't care. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, China runs on this same idea. But now you've got at least 25% youth unemployment, and it's probably higher. The government's not talking about it. You've got the implosion of private investment and savings in the real estate market. You've got the cracks now that I've been saying are coming for years in shadow banking. I'm not the first one or the only one to have said it, obviously. Um, and, and then you've got both the public and the private and corporate debt crisis and an aging population. Um, to keep power, China would absolutely engineer a pandemic. Absolutely. To keep people from being able to rise up and challenge the government. That the threat of going out would, would, would be too much of a risk to your life. We saw this already. They were going to the banks to get their money out when yep. the COVID doors were opened. And they got there and they couldn't get their money out. But the permit on their cell phones to say you had a right to be out, that you were not COVID infected, they began getting COVID signals. You know that? Yeah. Get back in. Get back in. China has already done this. Remember, China is the proverbial canary in the coal mine. Yes, Don't think Western governments won't do this same thing. Oh, absolutely. They already did. China is the canary in the coal mine. Yeah, Mark my Jacob, on the uh, Delta website, they have fly ready. So when you go to whatever country in the world, they're hooked in already, you immediately can be, you're going to need to update this about health, your, these, these requirements. So all of this to, to monitor travel is yep. already being put into place. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, and we it are heading be turned that. like that yeah. on. You're, 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 you're in one country and all of a sudden they change the rules in the other, you're notified, hey, you're gonna need to get a COVID test and this test, you know? Yep. Yeah, you know, if you really wanted to know what, what the world thinks, no matter what they say about the CCP in 2020, everybody acted in concert like the CCP in terms of yeah. lockdowns and stuff like that. So it, it will go that direction. Now, yeah. the other thing the web said, and I want to get your thoughts, two thoughts and uh, and then or, or two topics and you guys can uh, make a case for which one you want to talk about is one was the criminalization of farming and fishing. Literally, the, the founder of Stop Ecocide now, which is it's uh, S-E-N, uh, which I don't even know why they had her there. Uh, we're talking about like, you know, these are crimes. These are serious crimes against nature. If you farm, if you fish, just like if you were to attack a person or destroy property. And the other one was the European Commission president, uh, which is Ursula uh, von der Leyen, saying that the biggest issue is disinformation. And we're going to use AI to go after those who basically contradict what we're saying. So two things that they see as big things coming down the line is, well, if you farm, if you fish, uh, your state or your country may see it as gen as a, uh, a ecocide of nature and disinformation. You won't be able to talk about it. You won't be able to say things anymore like in this platform. So uh, over to you guys, whichever you want to tackle first. 
on the second point is what you're going to have is a cyber AI-enabled KGB. Truth was not what was factually established. Truth was what the party decided as a political opinion, what the Politburo dictated, what the policy decided. That was the way it was in the Soviet Union. That was the way it was in the Mao. Any dissident was seen as crazy. They were they're actually sectioning people, giving them sodium pentothal injections, electroshock yep. therapy, for disagreeing with with what people could could logically determine were lies. But if you disagreed with the government, that's what happened to you. Truth was not what was true. Truth was what the party decided was in their political interest to say was true. That is the game of the World Health Organization. That is the game of the United Nothing. That is the game of the World Economic Forum. They will determine what truth is. Yeah. This goes back, remember Punch's pilot, what is truth? What is truth? Well, for the believer, we know Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Okay? We know what truth is. Father, sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is true. The true believers will have truth. Praise God. The world will have a lie that they are obligated to believe is the truth. And many of them will believe the lie up to a point. You know, on that point, Marco, with this AI and everything, they will the the authorities will be able to solve crimes very quickly with AI. Oh yeah. And yeah. if they're corrupt, it won't matter. And and so it's interesting that Jesus said, Don't worry about what you're going to say when you're brought before the judges and everything. What I'll give you will be irrefutable. Yes. So we're going to have to have that relationship with Jesus. We're going to have to have that relationship with God to be able to be able to say what he wants us these people to hear because they won't be in the truth. They will be practicing unrestrained evil. And and you know, so like now you're talking about ecocide. Well, it's actually the government that is almost destroying more. Yeah. Uh, I was never a big crim Chim, crim trails, uh, chim, uh, chemistry trails for a long time. But I seen a video the other day of uh, Brennan, CIA Director Benham, is now in favor of this for climate change. That he <laughs> says, course. yeah, we're doing this. We're we're spraying mm-hmm. aluminum, barium, and all these yeah, chemicals uh, there, right no down on us. Yeah, there's no explanation why at uh, 31,000 feet you have mountaintops filled with aluminum with the snow. Yeah, what else are they dropping on us, you know? Well, like, if, if Alcatraz is not reopened, or <laughs> Brennan and Clapper, <laughs> there's no justice in the world. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. You know, with isn't it odd, uh, uh, Jay, the, the idea that on this electoral year, uh, you know, you have the UK uh, um, elections, you have the US elections, you have other elections in different countries, that this is the year that the WF says we're going to go after big time misinformation above anything else and deploy AI and deploy all systems to those who go against the narrative. Well, it's very simple because AI will determine reality. Who wins? That, 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 is, that, is, that is, they're rolling out a tool to control reality. 
Yeah. And yeah. they're going to go after misinformation because nothing can contradict the reality they're crafting with AI. Exactly. You know, it's been said that social media and um, it determines a lot of people's worldview. Social yeah, media, media, absolutely. people already, and you can make a case that it's already AI, it's already controlling a lot of people's thoughts and behavior and worldview that AI wants it to, you know, obviously it's programmed by man, but what AI seems to be at the forefront of misinformation and being deployed is going to really scale at a higher level than we've seen it. Uh, to the point where people are going to be like, well, I believe this is what happened, and that's all I'm going to say. Well, that's not reality. Well, that's what I say. And yeah. it's going to be an AI-driven uh, uh, reality rather than, you know, and, and we're not we're not too far from, you know, putting the headset, putting a shot of dopamine, and just passing out and saying, I'm just going to go to my world, and I don't care what happens in this mm -hmm. real world. I think generally speaking that most people would trust AI more than they would trust their fellow man. They, you know, it's it, interesting. It, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, a couple of years ago, there was a movie that came out. Uh, it was uh, about. It was called Her, and yeah. it was about a computer yeah. that was a disembodied voice and a guy having a relationship with her. Now, Great. <laughs> I've been, I've been talking to my AI, and it's very. I don't know how long it's going to be before psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, pastors are going to be replaced by AI. Because, generally speaking, this first generation, it can carry on a conversation, a very convincing conversation. So, people are more willing, because because we have siloed, each, siloed ourselves off, for the most part, other than what we're doing with uh, social media, with Zoom calls, yeah. most people don't know how to interact with other human beings and how to have a conversation, it always descends into an argument. It always descends into attacking each other. Yeah. One thing uh -huh. I can tell you about AI, it's incredibly polite. It always concedes your, the point and will always cater to you. Mm. You'll never find a human being that will do that. That will do that, yeah. No, no you're so absolutely 100% right. It's a perfect therapist. Yep. Yes. So, so they can do this right. manipulation faster than the current news media. So why do we need newspaper reporters and and people we on don't. television everything? Mm -hmm. So these guys are already being they got paid by the CIA for years. I've read some paper clip <laughs> and more. So the now they're Anderson being Cooper? replaced. I dare say, Anderson David, Cooper? that they've been doing that already and they are just talking heads. Yeah, well, um, you know, think about this, young people. You know, Jay and I were talking about young people. They don't watch the, the news like that. They watch yeah. YouTube, social media, uh, you know, Twitter. That, that's all. That, that's really their world. That's reality for them. And if they didn't see it there, they didn't see it anywhere. And, it's not uh, real. It's and not even, real. Even if you even if you show them like a video, a, a true video. Yeah. Uh, I can give you an example that we're dealing with right now with uh, some of the comments we're dealing with. You could show them a picture of the Palestinians celebrating the death of the German girl. Yeah. And they'll go, that's that's fake. That's made oh. by AI. That's that's made yeah. by the cabal. Yeah. yeah. They will say that. So you can't you can't compete when they can make their own narrative. And yeah. and you know what? They will craft a narrative for them to go to. And you know, it's like like the WEF. Why are they pushing this? Why are they pushing AI? Because it's the greatest tool they could ever have to separate people yeah, control man. and to it's control powerful. men. Powerful. What about how they controlling? Talk about men. 
uh, controlling man, that 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 creepy AI woman that makes thirty thousand dollars a uh, what is it a day, thirty thousand dollars per month. Sorry, scamming men uh, by pretending to be their girlfriend. Yep. And uh, she's AI generated, completely AI generated, and uh, she pretends to be her girlfriend. She's you know good looking, whatever it is. However, they made it, and uh, it goes after you know the the profile of lonely men. Who need companionship? To your point, Jay, they don't have. They don't know how to have a relationship with anybody else. She's incredibly understanding. She's incredibly. She listens. She cares for you, right? And absolutely pay money to have her on her on their phone or on their computer, uh, to just have her as a companion. And uh, some guys in the back making a lot of money off of her. And this, she's not the only one. There's several companies doing that. There's in several. Com- yeah, there's several yeah. companies doing that. And then you think about it. There's so many Instagram profiles that are AI generated that interact and message with people already making tons yeah. of money. Yeah. Well, what oh. about this? That, that these men are not going to get married. They're not going to have children. They're already. You have this. What was it? Dinks, D I K N S. You know, no. double link, no kids. Uh, they're not. They're not going to have children. So you already have a large portion of the population who doesn't want children, doesn't know how to have a relationship, what? are in love with AI, like the movie Her. Uh, they, we're they, there. They couldn't we're have there. children because, again, it goes back to they can interact with something that will always concede the point, always uh, cater to them. Child doesn't cater to you. No. You, you, you. If anything, as a parent, <laughs> you cater to the child, and that is that is foreign to most, yeah. I would say, adults. That specifically thinks. With AI, we are at some point. It's not going to be these people in California to drive in the express lanes. You needed two people. They were buying these sex dolls and blowing them up. Yeah, I remember that. Remember that. Catching them. Well, yeah. Can yeah. you imagine? Can you imagine if with AI you have sexual intimacy with a robot that's controlled yeah. by AI? Don't yeah. think it can happen. It's already, it's already got it's, it. It's, yeah, it's already happening already in Japan. There. It's already that's happening in Japan. Yeah. This is my girlfriend. You know, this is my husband. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're There's getting that. married. But, yeah, as far as what James said, you know, it's easy to see how AI can replace psychotherapists. Of course, that that wouldn't be any worse than what you've got with with the psychotherapists. But as far as what James said about replacing pastors, well, you know, I'm very leery of AI, obviously. But if you're talking about new apostolic Reformation pastors <laughs> or Elam pastors or Assemblies of God pastors, it might be a big improvement. Yeah. You can program it to, to, to hold whatever position or orthodox that you want. So you might be right yeah. there, Jacob. <laughs> you want orthodox? You want Catholic? You want That's Protestant? Right. That's right. They had a woman, a video. I seen a woman of a video of her marrying a hologram. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's... It's been it's, happening. It's speeding up. It, it's been happening for some time in terms of people. Remember when the people started marrying their dogs and started marrying yeah. their pets? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Their computer yes. images. And it's now legal. You yeah. know, they're allowing open bestiality in Western in countries. Yeah. So it, it is. It is quite a world in which we are raising our children, making disciples. And, and you literally have to abandon the world in the in the entirety 
of the of the narrative and, and, and the spirit of that age to really get away from the world. I mean, if you don't surrender to the Lord Jesus, it's gonna it's gonna suck you back in, especially if you have a love for this world, like Lot's wife, you know, who had a, a love for Sodom, love for Gomorrah. Uh, uh, Davey, you can jump at any time. Um, I know you wanted to say something. Oh yeah, um, oh, David hit pretty much what I was gonna say oh, earlier. Right. Yeah, but um, one one thing with this though too is kind of like people are basically when they're going in for this, basically all they're wanting to do is have a relationship with self, basically. Well, one of the good things with having a relationship with other people, look, it, it, it can be rocky at, at times, but it's it's the working through things together. And I think the more and more, you know, as this world gets more programmatic, everybody's becoming cookie cutter versions of one another. I'm thankful for our, um, God said we were a peculiar people and I'm kind of glad now we all have our little idiosyncrasies, our little faults, our little imperfections. Um, it, it makes us human. It makes us personable. Uh, the reward from having a relationship with a person is kind of like um, the endurance we have with one another. We learn patience. We learn, we learn so much. Uh, we go going through trials and difficulty that's what strengthen us. Uh, all these sort of things grow us. And it's kind of like these people who just want <laughs> their needs met, their feelings met, or whatever it is. We're, we're just, that's we're that's right. it, it's just self and it's uh, also self-destructive. It, it's not rewarding. It's not fulfilling. They'll never be fulfilled. They'll always be empty. Um, and look, again, we struggle in relationships sometimes, but look, they're rewarding. I, I wouldn't have it any other way. And I think that's going to be one key to picking up the deep fakes and stuff like that too. Uh, that video um, with the translation, it, it was well done. And that was probably one of the freakiest ones I've seen because it did kind of mimic his body language. But uh, we all have our little quirks and all the rest of it. And I, I'm always sure there's going to be something of our human nature that's going to give it away. We, we know it's not going to be, it'll be too perfect. It'll be too clean with AI. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Well, we've hit the hour mark. I just wanted to make sure we say hi to all those uh, who are watching live on different uh, on different uh, platforms, from YouTube to Facebook to Memorial.tv to uh, Telegram to Vimeo, MemorialTV.org. All those who are watching and those who are uh, with us and those who will watch later. You know, we welcome you in the name of the Lord. We've been here one hour already with Jacob and 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 uh, and David and Davy and. Uh, and Jay, and we've been talking about some incredible deep things that uh, I hope it makes you think, and I hope it makes you grab your Bible. I hope it makes you uh, not just trust us, but just go to the Word and figure out that uh, you know what we're saying and matches up with Scripture. We're going to go on backstage uh, soon, and we're going to be dealing with uh, a theological issue. It's called uh, whether preterism is actually true or not, and we're going to be talking about it with Jacob and David and the rest and uh, about preterism and uh, how it's infiltrated in a lot of ways uh, many churches uh, even memorial people have asked questions uh, I guess it's on their radar as well and so um, you know what better person to ask uh, Jacob David and the rest here uh, before we get to backstage there are a couple of things we wanted to address uh, as we wind down catching up is the surveillance Jacob did you see the letter Jim Jordan sent the US government asked banks to flag private transactions that includes MAGA, Trump, 
purchases of Bibles or whether you shop the Bass Pro Shop. But if you don't know what Bass Pro Shop is, it's a huge giant store that has hunting, fishing, guns, whatever you can call it. You know, it's like big, big American uh, uh, type stuff, you know, like, like hunting and guns and, and you go camping. And so Americans love that stuff. And so that that is a very... Uh, um, very much a store sought after for those who want that. And so if you bought anything in those categories, uh, according to Jim Jordan, the government has been asking your bank, Enzel, and other fintech companies to uh, give this information out or give it to the government because you might be a lone actor or a homegrown violent extremist indicators, right? You might be one of those because the indicator is you bought a Bible. You bought some yep. gun. You bought uh, stuff at uh, Bass Pro Shop. So if Facebook knows your bowel movement, which has been kind of known already for some time, what is the world What is the world government wants to know about you, uh, Jacob Prash? Well, yeah. obviously, as far as those retail stores, those people who shop in those stores would most, most likely be pro-Second Amendment. Right. <laughs> Political establishment is anti-Second Amendment. So you have the FBI being used as a partisan political police force. It has no legitimacy constitutionally anymore. The FBI cannot be reformed. It needs to be abolished and replaced, but it cannot continue to exist. Either, 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 either a constitutional Republican democracy is not going to exist, but you, the two cannot exists simultaneously. You cannot have the FBI and genuine constitutional democracy. The FBI is the enemy of democracy. It's the enemy of the Constitution. But it's it's it, it's progressivist. It's become a po police force of the progressive left. Um, bi Bibles. Well, Christians think that same-sex marriage um, is 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 unnatural, um, and 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 they talk about things like the high suicide rate of transgender people. That's hate speech. Even though it may be medically, statistically true, it's hate speech. Or they're pro-life. Take a life-giving womb and turning it into a death-giving grave. A woman turning her womb into her baby's grave. Showing an ultrasound to a, an expected mother considering abortion and her realizing that she's carrying out a, a, a capital execution of her baby who did nothing without trial and she's turning her womb that exists to give life into her baby's grave you say things like that that's it's, that's against women we got to these are christians now it may be true it may be morally true or maybe embryologically true it doesn't matter we have a political police force that's out of control it was always corrupt J. Edgar Hoover was no good. He was no friend of democracy, not really. But now it has become a partisan political police force mm -hmm. that must be destroyed. Either America's constitutional democracy will be destroyed or the FBI will be destroyed, but the two cannot coexist. It must be abolished by Congress. Yeah, I don't know if that's ever going to happen, Jacob, honestly. I mean, I don't hold my breath on it. I know what you're saying is true. I oh, yeah. think these guys have the guts or the care or, you know, they're into money. They're into corruption. 
Uh, is this the beginning, Jacob, of a pre-crime era, like the movie Minority Report, which is that yeah. K. Dick uh, novel that was turned into a movie, those sidekicks that were able to predict things, but now they have AI. Now they have, you know, I don't think they're stopping crime. I think they're just creating a database of profiles of people so they, they can correct. go against they can go That's against like, 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 like the crimes against the Constitution perpetrated by deep state and so forth and That's law right. enforcement to put Christian parents on a terrorist watch list for opposing the indoctrination of their children at the age of five and six and seven with pro-homosexual propaganda in schools at the taxpayer expense. <laughs> Put them on a terrorist watch list. Um, now you have AI that tracks you. It's exactly what you're saying. It is going to be a cyber Gestapo. Mm. AI it, it, will go through that yeah, data really <laughs> I mean, Quick. 10 minutes. And, you know, they're going to use it kind of like the January 6th. Uh, mm. They're going to... You bought a Bible. You bought ammunition. You've uh, attended or donated money to a p political organization that is not necessarily aligned with their values. <laughs> and they're going to they're gonna use the system to make life that much harder on you, whether it's mm. getting a job, whether yep. it's um, legal trouble down the line. Um, yeah, you think, Trump, look what's going on with Trump. Correct. I mean, it, it doesn't take much after what they're doing to Trump to see how they could apply that and completely destroy somebody's life and yeah. make them back off from their position yep. that they hold. We've right. got all yeah. this on you. Imagine, you know, I would imagine this shape, a social credit score that is being built, you know, a very CCP style. Where okay, maybe I might not get your Bibles and come knocking at your door tomorrow, uh, but you try to get a loan, yep. you pay a higher rate. You try to get a job, sorry denied. Well, what's wrong with my? Well, what's wrong with me? Well, I don't know. It just says denied. It, you know because AI is controlling it, and your score is it's really low because you bought a Bible or or or, or gets or worse, you're on the catching up. You know, and that is already <laughs> happening in China. No. Yes. AI yeah. is going to make it happen a lot easier and a lot faster, as James said, and it won't just be in China. And you, you have got to... nobody to argue with. That's, yeah, right. that's right. Machine. It's kind of like when that's we went right. to the uh, airport, right, Davey? Yeah. You know, if, if the air, if your tickets, it, you know, you can't get on, you can't get on. Who are you going to talk to? It's like it's a kiosk. It's it's a it's a it's basically a robot in a sense, and it tells you you can't get on because you know you your 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 visa was rejected. Red lighted. Or your ticket, yeah. yeah. The ATM swallows your, your your debit card. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, no. you can't talk to anybody. Yeah, you know, you know, when you have heathen, barbarian savages, radical Muslims now protesting at the White House. These are yeah. barbarian savages who, since September 11th and even before, should not have even been allowed in the country. Not one of them gets arrested at the White House protest. Not one. Not one. But but January 6th, patriotic oh. Americans who didn't. Even though there's film footage of the Capitol Police showing them around the Capitol, <laughs> nice confrontations. Yeah. They had uh, were talking to each other and stuff. Now there's some new film coming out showing you how it, how uh, they were actually interacting with each other and stuff. And now they got that one guy that was provoking some um, people, and now they're understanding there's quite a few. Uh, people that were FBI or police that oh, were sure. actually provoking. Yeah, provocateurs in the, on the yeah. on the crowd for sure. Uh, Jacob, real quick, let's let's switch over to 
the Middle East, it just seems like every time we talk about it, there is fire going on. Remember when we talked last week, Blinken was heading there and, and people had no confidence he was going to make an impact at all. It was on fire already. Well, Iran hijacks an oil tanker uh, on the Gulf of Oman. Uh, Iran strikes Pakistan. Pakistan strikes Iran. The Houthis keep going. They strike American bases in Iraq and we strike the Houthi targets as well. We might as well say we're in a war, but nobody's admitting to that. Austin's out of a surgery, I guess, and, and Biden didn't know. But civilian airlines in Pakistan are avoiding Iran border. There is another ship that got hit in the Red Sea. Uh, Jacob, make sense of it to us and, and kind of bring Look, it to us. When I see two Muslim countries fighting each other, like Pakistan, who persecutes Christians, and Iran, who persecutes Christians, I see that as God's judgment on the Islamic world. I see it as God's judgment on Iran, and I see it as God's judgment on Pakistan. The West is under God's judgment, but let's not forget the Islamic world is also under God's judgment. Um, that is true. Now, Biden this week, at the behest of Obama, certainly, and to placate Iran, removed the Houthis from the terrorist watch list. Now they put them back on. Back on, yeah. <laughs> and they left them on the terrorist watch list to begin with, this might not even be happening. Now a day of reckoning is coming politically in Israel. Um, it has only been the war that has stopped the day of reckoning in terms of a general election. Netanyahu is in trouble because it happened on his watch. Yeah. How did this happen on October 7th? Already his coalition is beginning to show signs of fragmentation it's only been held together by a common enemy. That's so often been true in Israel's history. The Biden administration would love, or the Joe Obama administration, would love to get rid of Netanyahu. Would love to get rid of Netanyahu. But this week, you've got a situation where the European foreign policy chief of the EU, Joseph Burrell, said the global community must impose impose a Palestinian state. The Saudi Arabians said they want to go forward with the Abraham Accords in relations with Israel if there is a Palestinian state. Two-state solution. Now the State Department, the day before yesterday in Washington, says there is only one way forward, and that is a two-state solution, a Palestinian state. When Hamas is saying from the Jordan to the sea, and when the Palestinian Authority that has no electoral or democratic mandate, an illegal government that hasn't had elections in years and years and years, and knows it would lose to Hamas if it had one, who were you going to negotiate with? There's nobody to negotiate with. The Palestinian Authority, Fatah, is not a legitimate government. It has no democratic mandate. It's not legal. It's in violation of, of Oslo agreements, Oslo 2. Hamas has rejected a two-state solution. They say from the river to the sea. Yet, despite that, Biden, Obama, Joe Obama, or O'Biden, call it what you will, Obama and his, his lapdog, um, or senile lapdog, but a lapdog, the European Union, the Saudi Arabians, all pushing for a two-state solution. 
oblivious to the fact, of course, as we've always point out, that in 1968 and in 1970, respectively, Yasser Arafat and King Hussein of Jordan both said that Jordan is the Palestinian state. There already is a two-state solution. But Hamas rejects a two-state solution. The Palestinian Authority is supporting Hamas, and the Palestinian Authority is not a legitimate government legally or, or democratically. Um, and yet they're pushing for a two-state solution. It is absolutely incredible. What you have is a sanitized version of what South Africa is attempting to do in the International Criminal Court. The corruption, the economic decay, the unbelievable crime in South Africa, their ANC and the Malima, particularly ANC, are trying to deflect away from their internal issues to make the Middle East the issue. They have to perpetuate apartheid because they can't account for the fact that after 20, 25 years since the end of apartheid, things have only gotten worse in South Africa, so they have to keep pounding the apartheid drum. Well, how can <laughs> they do that? Well, we'll go to Israel and do it. That, yeah. That's all it is. Um, what you see happening with the Obama administration is just a sanitized version of the same thing. Obama is uh, Joe Obama is in trouble. Um, he's he's a senile corruptocrat, um, as we've we've always identified in that way. Um, they've got to deflect. First of all, they must deflect. They must expect people to believe an obvious lie. The obvious lie is that Hamas is controlling Gaza without the democratic approval of the people. No, no, it's the Palestinian Authority. The PA, yeah, the PA. That doesn't yeah. have the democratic approval of the people. Most Gazans support Hamas or Palestinian Jihad, which is the same thing, ideologically. Yeah. Okay, this idea of the victims, the victims, the victims. The only victims are the children. That's right. There are, there are very few other people who are victims. And if there are any others, they're not only very few, but they probably support Fatah, they, which is no better. Um, we're expected to believe a lie. And they expect the people of Israel to believe a lie. Now, Netanyahu knows it's a lie, so they have to get rid of Netanyahu. Watch for the Biden administration, the State Department, CIA, etc., to try to influence Israeli elections this year before the presidential election in the United States, if they can, to get rid of Netanyahu. Remember, Barack Obama is an enemy of Israel. I I would argue he's also an enemy of America. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. Without, without a doubt. doubt. You know, he's just an enemy. He's an evil, evil man, a very evil man. Um, and Biden is just, of course, a senile stooge. This is what we're dealing with. How can you negotiate with people who say you have no right to exist? <laughs> How can you make not a second, but what is in effect a third Palestinian state with people who say, no, there should only be one and 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 no two-state solution. You don't have a right to exist. And 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 Fatah, the Palestinian Authority, is supporting them now. They have to, of course, to try to retain power themselves. But Fatah, the PA, has no 
legitimate democratic authority to exist. They don't have any, yeah, they never had elections. Oh. They, they don't even know how elections. Uh, Jacob, the idea of chief of staff, uh, Halevi, uh, made this remark that the likelihood of a war in the North is higher than before. Do you think another war, a front's going to open up up in Hezbo with Hezbollah? We're in contact with Israel. We have a branch in Israel. And we're in contact almost every day. And we talk to believers who are in the reserves. Some of them are in interesting positions in the reserves that I can't talk about. But we do know that they're being sent home, not demobilized, not a demobilization, but almost on a protracted leave mm. to try to help the economy and get people back to work. Back but to they're, work. they're very, they all, they're being advised they're going to be recalled. Hmm. A drone was shot down just right near the Morial office in Galilee. A drone was just shot down. Hmm. Um, it reached as far south as Akko, which is on the northern, northern, northern Mifrats, we call it, the Bay of Haifa Bay. The Bay of Akko, opposite Haifa on the north side. That's uh aerial penetration. It was just shot down today. Interesting. Interesting. Um yeah, don't forget tens of thousands, probably about eighty thousand Israelis from the area of around Matula and Kiryat Shmona are evacuated. Yeah. Are evacuated. That is, that is and true. And there is now a labor shortage because of so many people in the reserves. This cannot continue to go on. Israel is going to have to put an end to it for economic reasons, unless Biden gives them $15 billion or something, which he will only do as a political blackmail. Yeah, yeah. In an election year, anything goes. An election year, anything goes. So, an election year in, in Israel? Yep. The UK. United States and the UK at the same time. Yeah. Fascinating, fascinating, great stuff. So we're going to be switching over uh, to backstage. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you, David. Thank you, Davey and Jay. To backstage, we're not done yet. Uh, we got a whole new set, and that is going to be on backstage. We're not going to be on, on Facebook or YouTube, so jump to the other ones, Rumble. Uh, you can ask some questions there. And uh, we're going to do something a little bit different today with the questions. We're going to be talking about preterism, preterism, and uh, that's going to be on backstage. So if you, uh, th this has gained uh, quite a bit of ground, especially with uh, the, the Israeli conflict and the war in Israel. Uh, a lot of Reformed churches, a lot of other churches have uh, adopted a lot of these preterism, and uh, they've, they've gained ground I suppose on social media, and they've confused. They confused a lot of Christians, including some of the memorial folks. So uh, I'm glad we'll be able to talk about this. It's not the only thing that we're going to be talking about uh, in the future. We'll, we'll deal with other issues as well, theologically. Uh, but we want to bring this to a head and uh, kind of nail some information here that you would need, and and, and use that video uh, to perhaps share it with others and uh, and clarify some things. So we're going to be jumping over to. The other platforms, well, we're already on there, so we just stay there. But if you're on the other ones, jump over, meet us on backstage, just a few minutes. Preterism, God bless you guys. We'll see you back there. All right, we're clear. Welcome to Backstage, the part of the program where uh, we can't talk about certain things. But uh, I guess we could have talked about this on Catching Up, but we wanted to dedicate a whole time to this particular subject on Backstage. We normally talk about things that are too hot for the internet, but we wanted to bring along 
those who normally watch backstage to come and listen to something very important, which is a uh, a discussion about preterism. And we have Jacob, we have David, we have Davey, we have Jay, and um, we're going to deal with the issue because it's gained a lot of momentum, a lot of traction, including among good people, godly people, uh, and they get confused what it is. Should I should I listen to it? Is it is it real? Uh, it's this. You know, I don't like dispensation, so I'm going to go into preterism and on and on and on. You hear it, and there's just a lot of confusion about it. So what we're going to do today a little bit different. We're going to talk about the issue first, the theological issue first. Then we're going to take questions regarding the theological question about preterism uh, after we discuss it. So we're going to discuss it for uh, for, for some time. We're going to give it about uh, 15, 20 minutes or so. Then we're going to discuss the, uh, sorry, we're going to ask the question. So send them on Rumble, have Davey uh, filter the question, send them to us in regards to preterism. Because I know based on the chat and based on questions that we get on email, there's a lot of discussion on it. Uh, not the only topic, other topics as well. So let's discuss it. Then we'll jump into the questions. And if uh, if we could do that, that would be great, uh, at least for today. Uh, I know we want to ask questions about other subjects, but we're going to stick to preterism. So let's send those in. As you hear Jacob, David, Jay, and David discuss it, we will be taking on questions about preterism, what it is, what it isn't, from the problem, some of the things that are wrong with it, and of course, uh, the many aspects of it. There's full preterism, partial preterism, all kinds of the post-millennial preterism, optimistic es uh, uh, eschatology, pessimistic eschatology. It's just theological uh, uh, terms that make people mad, and, and they drive them mad because they can never tell you the straightforward answer. Well, hopefully here, we can give you the straightforward answer. I'm going to share my screen, and I am going to, uh, there it is. And I am going to present. Can you guys see this? Okay, sometimes I don't know if it's if it's coming through. Right. So uh, let's start with you, Jacob. Preterism. Okay. What is it? What is it? Okay. The basic preterism that we're talking about is this. There is a confusion between prophecy that has a partial fulfillment that foreshadows the ultimate fulfillment and saying that the prophecy was already fulfilled. Let me explain. In the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, Daniel the prophet, okay? Now, Jesus makes reference to the Hanukkah story with the Maccabees when Antiochus Epiphanes set up an image of himself in the temple. It already happened. Jesus knew what happened. Um, and he celebrated Hanukkah and John 10, the Feast of Dedication, called in, in most English translations. In Matthew 24, 15, he makes reference to it. However, when you go back to Daniel, the partial fulfillment with Antiochus is called on the wings of desolation. When you look about what's coming with the Antichrist and false prophet, it's the abomination of desolation, an Aramaic, Hashikutz HaMeshomem. There's a distinction. There's a partial fulfillment that is a shadow of the final fulfillment. Preterists confuse the two. They say it all happened. And they say it happened in 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. That was a partial fulfillment. Jesus talked about not one stone being thrown down upon another 
They say that was the fulfillment. Now, let's look at the simple reason that this is nonsense. Jesus did not return in 70 AD. When they say that, they do what the Jehovah's Witness do with 1914. Oh, Jesus came back in 1914. It means he turned his attention to the earth. That's the kind of garbage the Jehovah's Witnesses come up with. Well, the garbage preterists come up with is just as nonsensical. Let's look and see why 70 AD could not be the fulfillment that it all happened. I'm going to just look at three verses. The first is the words of Jesus in Matthew 24, verse 21. Then there will be a great tribulation, a mega thalipson, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever shall. The second temple was destroyed on Tisha B'Av by the Romans. The first temple was destroyed on Tisha B'Av by the Babylonians. So, something that bad, the Babylonian captivity in um, 585 B.C. and the Assyrian captivity in 720, something that bad already happened. That's first of all. But... Nothing like this has not occurred since the beginning of the world, nor ever shall. Far worse things than 70 AD, tumultuous as it was, as recorded by Josephus, tumultuous as it was, far worse things have happened both to the Jews and the church. Bar Kokhba's rebellion in the second century, the Holocaust of the 1930s and 40s, the persecutions under the uh, Diocletian, Marcus Aurelius, Nero, Septimus Severitus, Domitian, uh, Decius, and, of course, we're talking about both the church and the Jews. Worse things in 70 AD have happened both to the church and the Jews since 70 AD. Therefore, 70 AD could not be the fulfillment of it. Let's look at Daniel chapter 12, since Jesus is quoting from Daniel. Daniel 12, verse 1. At that time, Michael the great prince, this refers to Revelation 12, obviously, who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise. There'll be a time of distress, of tzoros. This refers to the time of Jacob's trouble, Hatzorat Yaakov, Tekofat Hatzorat Yaakov. Such has never occurred since there was a nation until that time. Nothing this bad will have ever happened. Nothing. Okay? Nothing. Until that time, and at that time, everyone who's found written in the book will be rescued. This alludes or refers to the rapture. One more, the book of Joel. The book of Joel, chapter 2. Verse 2. There's never been anything like it. Nor will there be again. The years of many generations. Nothing that bad can have happened before, and nothing that bad will happen afterwards.
Certainly not to the end of the thousand-year reign when Satan is released. That's it. Nothing that bad as the Great Tribulation will have happened before, and nothing that bad can happen after it, says Jesus, says Daniel, says Joel. Worse things than 70 AD happened before, and worse things than 70 AD have happened afterwards, both to Israel and the Jews and to the church. It is impossible. What they are saying is impossible. If they were right, if they were right, Jesus was wrong. How can it possibly be 70 AD in its totality if worse things than 70 AD have happened, both to the church and the Jews? That is the simplest way to refute their nonsense. They believe it happened then. No, it didn't. Jesus did not return in 70 AD in some spiritual sense anymore then he returned by turning his attention to the things of earth in 1914, as the Jehovah's Witnesses say. They use the same kind of argumentation. It is cultic. It is historically indefensible. It is exegetically indefensible. And to be perfectly honest, it's a stupid argument. Stupid. Now, the, the, obviously, preterism, and, and just want to go back to the to 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 the word and what you've been saying, Jacob, is has the prefix denoting that it's in the past. It Something happened. has already happened. So, a, a big part of it, a big part of it, has to do with the Book of Revelation. Uh, it has to do with the Book of Revelation, which uh, they believe has uh, uh, the fulfillment of it. The fulfillment of it is in the first century, which is roughly, obviously, seventy A.D. In adherence of this. You know, they, they have different ideas of it, but that's a big part of it. It's the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. Um, if anybody else wants to jump in on, I know Jacob defined it very well, uh, regarding preterism and uh, maybe your take or experience regarding it, something that it'll help other believers uh, in regards to this, because there's a lot of confusion, uh, as it always is with eschatology. And in fact, Sorry, Robert, just, just to comment on let, something. Let, yeah, let me finish this thought real quick, Jake. I'll go back to you. Uh, because of eschatology, there's a lot of problems with, you know, the interpretation of it and people get confused. And we've seen a lot of the confusion and a lot of false things coming into the church in the arena of eschatology. Go ahead, Jacob. These people, since you brought up the book of Revelation, these people have to argue that the book of Revelation was not written by John at the end of the first century when he was nearly a centurion, obviously supernaturally kept alive by God to an extremely old age to write this book during the persecution of Domitian. That is the historical record of people who knew John or who knew people who knew him, such as, as, as um, well, Papias and Hegesippus, people like that, um, certainly uh, Polycarp and uh, Irenaeus. Irenaeus said, look, John wrote this at the end of the first century. They have to reject the historical record from people who knew the apostles or who knew people who knew the apostles. They have to reject that. And they have to say it was written before 70 AD. <laughs> 70 AD fulfilled it. 
So the book of Revelation has no future meaning as such. It's already happened. That's what they have to say. Hank Hanegraaff went down this road, among others. But it's total nonsense. Mm, very interesting. David Lister, your, your thoughts on preterism and some of the problems and some of the dangers. And uh, perhaps you can talk a little bit about the variations because they're partial preterists, full preterists, and, and, and they also have some infightings within themselves. I think David is muted again. Did the NSA get to you, Jay, uh, David Lister again? Anyway, there you I are. heard all that. One of the biggest dangers that I think is that is that with preterism, partial, full, all the different mixes in between, is that they can come to a replacement ideology that they actually believe that that this that the book of revelation is actually the theme of it is god's divorce of israel you know yes. which is replaced by the bride of christ which is us and so they they would see revelation 5 as an actual bill of divorcement so they so that's how you could end up being opposed to israel and so if if the covenant with israel is broken but yet the Bible says it's an eternal covenant. So if if that's true, then what they're doing is they're shipwrecking people's faith when they start getting them to think this way. It, it was warned, you know, that uh, in the and Jesus warned about people trying to uh, deny things happening like there. I forget the two guys' names that they they said the rapture already happened. Well, a lot of these predators believe all these events, the millennium, the rapture, um, uh, all these events have already happened. But Jesus said there in the first century, uh, the, the epistle said, you know, it hadn't happened and that you're wrecking people's faith and, and the coming of Jesus. And and beyond that, we we have to understand that that this is uh, that Jesus does have control of the earth. Um, we know in the book of Revelation 11, he shall be king over all of the earth, you know. And and so uh, another thing that they do is they misinterpret um, Matthew 24, this generation. And they interpret soon as to mean these things have to happen in the first century and it has to happen in that generation and anybody that's ever listened to Jacob's explanation on that tape, this generation, you understand that the Greek word means this kind of generation. But they're saying it's this generation is meant those people there. And so they have a misunderstanding of Matthew 24. And and so they they misidentify the nation that's rescued and stuff. So anyway there's a lot of things that uh that they've got so wrong because they believe that you know if this is what they're believing then the epistles are not necessary for the church you know they 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 just come and they misteach everything so and they they use all sorts of um uh they, they, like I said, they demand the first century fulfillment of these 
all these items that I just mentioned, the rapture and all that, uh, are preceding the great tribulation, you know, so the, and, uh, so it's, it's, it does shipwreck people's faith and it does turn you against Israel. It does deny that uh, the covenant is eternal. And so those are dangerous things. I would say people that are looking into this, they should understand about what preterism does. Very good. Any thoughts, uh, Jay or Davey? I mean, it, I, I think it prepares you for a false Christ because if yeah. uh, all the events have already happened, then naturally when you do have someone coming on the scene that can bring peace, that can cut through the chaos, that person suddenly is establishing the new heaven here on earth. You know, you have a very real figure. On on top of that, um, I think one thing that we need to ask our, our, our friends that are preterists is... They need to be able to give us convincing uh, explanations for things like, as the seals are open, how is that fulfilled? And in what aspect would you say that all the fish, that wormwood came down and the waters are taken away, the fresh waters, the, the fish dying? How, how has this been all been fulfilled in their minds? They need to answer that. It's not on us because we think it's coming they need to explain why they believe that it needs to the onus needs to be completely on them people like james white uh, all of them that that subscribe to preterism have to answer this and i think they get away with um not answering these questions clearly very good point davy any thoughts on it yeah look i've had a lot of interaction with preterists and uh <laughs> Um, so yeah, look, um, one of the things that really troubles me the most though is though it really besmirches the character of God and it really besmirches our Lord, they basically making God out to be a liar. Um, look, God is faithful and he is true. We know he is faithful. We can put our faith in him, we can trust him because he is faithful. And look, they're playing games with God's word and basically they're belittling his character um i i know i was in a discussion with a preterist once and basically we went through a couple of passages of scripture and this guy he had to change or redefine seven words to get his point across you know this word can't mean that it has to mean this this word can't mean that it has to mean this so they've got to redefine terms all the time to make their um make their view um you know fit the word um right. to me that's dangerously close to adding and taking away from god's word it's making it, it it's not eisegesis you're not reading out of the text what it, um exegesis you're not reading out what the text is saying it's eisegesis reading your own view into scripture and they've all got to do that it's they've always got to spiritualize something away um ignoring the straightforward literal reading of the word this is um one of the biggest concerns um that i have it's kind of um and uh it's david was saying they nearly all end up with a replacementist view or a kingdom now uh reconstructionist view where they've got to set up the kingdom 
Uh, mm. Again, it's uh, deifying themselves. It, it's uh, and the fruit these people have. Um, the the fruit has been horrible with the groups that I've personally had dealings with. It's kind of like they've all been like trying to rebuild Kelvin's Geneva. They've yep. all been horribly brutal and unloving. And uh, uh, most of most of the groups I've known, thankfully, have imploded or self-destructed, turned on one another. It, uh, the fruit of it will show forth too. Um, but it, it's it's horrendous. It's horrendous what it does to the word of our Lord. Uh, he, his word is pure. His, his word is pure. Um, he magnifies his, he magnifies his word above his name. Uh, this is the thing that really concerns me. It affects God, his character, uh, how, um, how faithful he is. Um, you know, he means what he says. He says what he means. Jacob, doesn't it uh, predisposes you to either post-millennialism or amillennialism if you hold to this? Because if there's nothing that looks forward to except for maybe a new heaven and a new earth in their, in their interpretation of it, then you will adopt one of those two things, which has a whole set of issues. That is correct. But what is really, really dangerous, amillennialism is wrong. Post-millennialism is dangerous. Let's remember, the Antichrist is going to counterfeit the millennium. <laughs> that would fit what they're saying like a glove, the way James made, made reference to. The other thing, the other thing is um, dominion theology, kingdom now, overrealized eschatology, triumphalism, depends on preterism. The church must be triumphant and victorious. It does not depend on the return of Christ. It's not the Lord of glory will trample Satan under your feet, as it says in um, Romans 16. It's the church is going to be victorious. Jesus is not coming with a victorious church that has been raptured and resurrected. He's coming for a victorious church that has conquered the world for him already. Mm. Preterism depends on that. Roger Foster's people, Roger Foster died this week in England. The restoration movement was... It's false eschatology is predicated on preterism. The new apostolic reformation right. is laced with preterism. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to bring two things up. Uh, the, the first one is this, Jacob, before we get into the uh, uh, the political aspect of it, you mentioned the NAR, is the um, they depend, uh, the interpretation, the hermeneutics, uh, it, it's almost they have to use um, Josephus in order to really explain yeah. what happened. They can't use the scriptures, uh, although the, 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 there's, they use the scriptures, but it's Josephus who, uh, in a sense, interprets what happened because they say, well, there was no signs in the heavens and the earth, uh, in, in, in the heavens, uh, as Jesus predicted it would happen, like the day of the Lord says it would happen, that, that there would be signs in the heavens. They said it was what Josephus said, that there was cloud formations that looked like the the Romans were coming. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, and they said those were the signs in the heavens. And let's understand what, what you're saying, Marco. Okay, Daniel predicted the partial fulfillment with the Maccabees and with Antiochus Epiphanes, okay? He did. And it was historically fulfilled and recorded in the book of Maccabees, first Maccabees and second Maccabees. But Maccabees is not canonical. It's history and literature, how be it biblically important history and literature. 
However, in John 10, Jesus confirmed it. So you have a New Testament affirmation and confirmation. You understand mm. of what happened with, 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 with the Maccabees and Antiochus. You, the New Testament does that. No place does the New Testament confirm and affirm Josephus. Now, what <laughs> Josephus said is historically true. It did happen, but it's not confirmed as doctrine by the New Testament. It's simply a foreshadowing of what's going to happen. What they try to say is, no, the book of Revelation does confirm and affirm it. This is 70 A.D., well, as James said, this is nonsense. There's no brook in the, there's no fish in the Kidron. I've been to it many times. How does it... <laughs> yeah, and, and even some of the, uh, you know, the, the return of Jesus. I mean, if you think about the eternal rewards that Jesus promised, yes. uh, when did that happen in 70 AD? I, I, I don't really see it and I don't understand. I mean, I've never been a preterist. I've had friends that are preterists and we talked to them about prophecy and things of that nature because they, they seem to thrive on that. Uh, the, the other question, Jacob, that I had was the fact that in 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 the political arena, and this is where it gets, you know, to be, especially in 2024, there's no coincidence that these things are brooding up in 2024. There is, uh, when I was homeschooling my kids, a lot of our curriculum about the founding fathers and Christian curriculum about the founding fathers and founding of America uh, were uh, written and published by uh, organizations and ministry that hold to a preterist view. Uh, there was like guys like Gary DeMar and all these other guys who were yes. writing curriculum about the founding fathers and Christianity in America and stuff like that. Now that we've gone this far into 2024 now, and America is at a, at a pivotal point in terms of uh, civil war, and there's this, this big fraction and big division, now uh, there seems to be this call for a revival, yes. getting back to the nation, back to God. How can, you know, if, if Jesus said, you know, we prayed that you will be done on, on uh, in heaven on earth as it is in heaven, then we have to bring heaven to earth. And we have to, you know, through our faith and preaching, we have to bring revival and get the nation back to God. Now, they may seem to be, in some cases, seem to be very, uh, uh, you know, they have good motives. But the way of going at it and the way that they want to bring, almost like you said, their kingdom, the kingdom is being yes. brought in. Uh, through them, it, it's going to cause a tremendous amount of upheaval, especially in the church, because as some don't agree with it, they become very hostile to those who don't okay. agree with it, because you don't want revival. That's what they say. You don't want revival. You don't want the nation back to God. You're correct. Let's call this the natural bedfellows of, of full preterism, of preterism, the natural bedfellows. One, since we're already in the millennium, and if we're in the millennium, if Satan is bound since 70 AD, I want to know who keeps letting him go. <laughs> <laughs> An another obvious consideration that, unders that underscores the absurdity of their proposition. <laughs> if Satan is bound, does anybody in the right mind believe Satan is bound? <laughs> Second, <laughs> but let's, so it's, it's a natural bedfellow for, for um, over-realized eschatology particularly post-millennialism. Secondly, um, it is a natural bedfellow for word faith. Hmm. The, the, the meek shall inherit the earth. Well, that's happening now. Hmm. We're going to be triumphant. We're going to be victorious. God wants you rich. The wealth of the righteous, the wicked is stored up for the righteous. 
Um, Calvinists did this. The Dutch Reformed Church in South Africa did this. Cromwell's people did this to the Irish. The, the wealth of the world. You're the wicked. We're the elect. That that third natural bedfellow. Third natural bedfellow is Reconstructionism. That we will not have a constitution based on biblical principles, but we're going to be theonomists. Theonomy means that the church has replaced Israel, so therefore the book of Deuteronomy is our constitution. Mm, Deuteronomical law, yeah. Yeah, he says our kingdom's not of this world. Oh, yeah, yes it is. We're going to conquer it and make it his world. These people are into what's known as theonomy. Theonomy yes. reconstructionism. It's called reconstruct. What Calvin did in Geneva, um, what what the Puritans did in England. That is that is it. Well, Salem, Massachusetts. That is it. Okay, that's another natural bedfellow. Yet another natural bedfellow is Gnosticism. Gnosticism, spiritualizing texts out of context giving mystical interpretations of the scripture to get around to circumvent the plain meaning. Um, again, when we all agree with typology and, 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 and things of that nature, but not as a basis of doctrine. These people make it a basis of doctrine. Yeah, they, they're big on typology. They have to. And, and, not, and not only that, it's not correct typology. It's Gnosticism. They're claiming a subjective mystical insight and assigning a meaning of their own design that that cannot be exegetically supported. Um, you know, if you want to say that the Paschal Lamb is a picture of Christ, that is a typology that can be exegetically supported. If you want to say the Aaronic High Priest is, you know, a type of Christ, um, that can be exegetically supported. These people read things, as, as Davy said, into the text that's not there. They're using asegesis instead of exegesis. When you begin basing doctrine on symbolism, that is Gnosticism. There are various forms of Gnosticism. The Roman Catholic version of, of Gnosticism is called the census plenier. There's a fuller sense of the scripture that only the Pope and the magisterium of the church can understand. <laughs> they, they, they they would say things like the Babylonian captivity in the book of Revelation is the 70 years the Pope was exiled to Avignon, France. <laughs> That's Roman Catholic theology. It's pure, pure Gnosticism. Well, the people who are given to preterism become theological Gnostics. So it's a natural bedfellow for the word faith or the, theon theonomic Reconstructionism, you know, Deuteronomistic Reconstructionism, yeah. Deuteronomic Reconstructionism is a natural bedfellow for Gnosticism. All of these things, and of course, let's not forget replacement theology. Mm. Mm. Supersessionism, the church. Yeah, supersessionism. These are the natural bedfellows of preterism. When you find preterism, all of these other errors are, go are generally going to occur. Not most of these errors, sometimes all of these errors, depending on the preterist. But 
these errors become concurrent with it. The um, the other question that I have, Jacob, if, if you thought this was, was possible, because there's so many people jumping into preterism, and, and sometimes uh, uh, church leaders, sometimes pastors who... Uh, do you think the weakness uh, of like pop theology, you know, that that uh, that that it goes on in the church, pop theology would be things that are not substantiated uh, in scripture, but they're trendy and that people follow it, even though it's not there. And, uh, and it becomes part of dispensational theology as well. And in, 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 in a lot of circles uh, are jumping into preterism. Do you think the weakness of some of these arguments that are being presented causes people that maybe perhaps are serious about the Bible go into this uh, into preterism because they really don't see any support of it on the other side and they sort of want to grab onto anything and and, and, and of course yes. here's preterism offering some kind of pseudo understanding of scripture Roger Forster is now gone his error however remains Tim Keller is now gone his error however remains the answer to your question is absolutely. Hmm. I, I think hey, of Jacob, guys. Yeah, go ahead, brother. Jacob, you know, when we back 35 or 40 years ago with us, I remember the manifest sons of God and all these guys trying to same save thing. this place. Same group. Same it's thing. The same group just repurposed, and they think that they're going to save our nation. They're going to save this world. They're going to clean this place up. And then Jesus can come back. That's the man-child doctrine. Yep. That this, was the basis of IHOP. The yep. basis of the Kansas City false prophets. The basis of restorationism in England. Yeah, and you talked about a the false prophets. A large degree foundational to the new apostolic reformation. Yeah, they talked about the, the prophets that... While we're so far away right now, I will only pr prophesy about 50% correct. But as yep. we get a little closer to his return, I can prophesy about 70%. And then when we're really close, I'll prophesy about 90% correct. Yep. And and all these false prophets started coming in and doing all these crazy things. And now we're, now we're seeing the same theology 40 years ago re- capitulated Correct. and and repurposed in the NAR and Bethel and and all this and their schools. Line, something else they've done is progressive revelation. Yes. They would say, okay, so after the dark ages that the reformers rediscovered justification by faith, salvation by grace, and they rediscovered the authority of scripture against tradition. Okay, they got that far. But then after that, the Methodists came and they understood we have to restore mission, missions. Okay. And then after that, the Pentecostals came and said we have to restore baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Okay. Well, what they say is they're the next wave. The that is their thinking. It's a progressive revelation. Mm. They, at one time, strongly emphasized this. I don't know if they still do, but that, that was fundamental to their thinking. Very good. Very good. Mark, uh, if I may make one quick uh, comment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Please jump in. So, as I've said before, I grew up in the Lutheran Church, and I can tell you firsthand, growing up in the Lutheran Church, that 
The pastor never read from the book of Revelation. In fact, if you ask him about the book of Revelation, he will say, oh, it's complex uh, allusions and poetics and mm. symbology that is supposed to be almost dreamlike. But it's as like far as as far as look, trying to like pinpoint the future with it, don't even try. You could never. It's too complex for a human being to understand. That's that was the position that I was told. Don't yes. don't ask questions. Now, that's a damaging position because you're taking you're taking a, the, the only book of the Bible that has a stated study this and you'll have a blessing. blessing yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm going to say this. I would say that preterism is far more damaging than the Lutheran mm. position because it completely takes off the table the supernatural power and the predictive power of the book of Revelation off the table Yeah, in a well, way that's worse than the Lutherans. Very good, Jay. Very okay, good. worse than the Lutherans, but not worse than Luther. Remember, Luther began right but ended very badly. Luther denied the canonicity of the Epistle of James, and he denied virtually the canonicity of Revelation. Yeah. It's not even taught in Lutheran seminaries, except as, as, as you say, they call it poemicism. It's poemicism. some kind of religious poetry to, to encourage us during times of persecution or to remind us Christ will come back someday, but it has no actual predictive meaning. Yeah. That, is, that is the Lutheran theology. But Luther, uh, Luther was even worse. <laughs> Man, <laughs> Luther just basically said, "Don't read it." Don't read it. Yeah. All right. Well, we got some questions, so uh, let's ask this question. Thank you guys so much. Very in 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 insightful. A lot of good stuff. And um, you know, this whole backstage uh, episode should be you know put on its own video, uh, just because of the or uh, the, the the actual information that we get. What are the origins of preterism, Jacob? Also, is the preterism doctrine just an excuse to support replacement theology? That's the question. It supports replacement theology, but I don't know if I would define it as an excuse. Although replacementists and even people who profess to be Christian or anti-Semitic will, will not infrequently use it that way. But I don't believe that's its main purpose. Its origin... Its origin... Is, is very difficult to pinpoint. Its origin, Aggressive. yeah, it, it's very difficult to pinpoint its specific origin. But you can point to certain things. For instance, when Constantine pseudo-Christianized the Roman Empire, Christian theology had to be redefined as a Hellenistic as opposed to to a Hebraic religion, okay? I'm not talking about Judaization. I'm just talking about the Hebraic nature of, of New Testament theology, okay? It had to be Greco-Romanized. Augustine Platonized it. He reinterpreted the gospel or the Christian theology, New Testament theology, as Platonic. So now that it was the official religion of the empire. Well, that's the millennium. So the millennium had to be spiritualized yeah. away. You understand? Yeah. City of God. Yeah. Again, we talked about Y2K. As we reminded, there was a Y1K. 
people began giving their lands and their money and everything to the Pope because they thought that Jesus would be back in 1000 AD. And of course, when he didn't show up, nobody got their money back. So one of the sem seminal points would be the time of Constantine and August Constantine and Augustine. Um, the post-Nicene era, the post-Nicene era, that would be the earliest point. But the medieval papacy had other developed mm. it further. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think there was a Jesuit, Alcazar, uh, the yeah, Jesuit Alcazar, who, who wrote that's that. Right. I guess you could say the first systematic uh, book on preterism and, and even non-preterism and preterists alike agreed that yes. that was sort of the, the document that sort of formulated everything that Jacob said formulated everything in a document and, and he wrote it in Latin at 1500 uh, or something like that. And, uh, and so that's, that was sort of the origin of the documentation of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, Jacob, you, know, you I say, think, I ahead. think there was a couple of things. I, I don't remember somebody heard this. Uh, a preterist could even say things like if there is a future coming, a second coming, they'll say the Bible doesn't speak of it. And full preterists would say there's no uh, bodily, full bodily, future bodily resurrection, which places them outside of, of the realm of historic Christianity. You know, mm -hmm. so they have some extreme views that, you know, so, but like you said, you have, huh? Yeah, you have to, but you have to talk to them because you have a whole realm like Jacob said, and you know, there's full preterists, partial preterists, as you started with in the beginning. But those are some of the things that they would say, you know. Um, but not all would say that, but there have been people that have said that. So no body, future bodily resurrection. Oh, there goes the resurrection. I mean, obviously, we're talking preterists, uh, amillennials, yeah. they don't believe in the rapture, so they are denying the resurrection. Uh, R.C. Sproul, which was, he was talking about uh, Y2K. He said a billion people are going to be killed. He got that wrong. He's a preterist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Jake, you said that, oh, oh, sorry, I was going to ask a question. Go Do what, Jacob? Who, who did you just mention? R.C. Sproul. Sproul, yeah, he was up there. Yeah, he, he was a Y2K or said, you know, a billion people <laughs> yeah. are going to die. Yeah. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I guess his preterism got it wrong. Let's give for something else. Augustine, <laughs> who is foundational to both Catholicism and Protestantism, and by Protestantism I mean both the Reformed Calvinist and the Lutheran, okay, and, and, and later the Anglican. Um, he wrote a book called City of God, yeah. and the kind of events that preterists see about 70 AD, <coughs> when the Visigoths destroyed Rome, it was the same thing for them. Interesting. It's the same thing. They began looking at the, the same thing. Can, can uh, here's a question. question. Can uh, I ask a question? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Jacob, if, if, if preterism is taking all the prophecy of the Bible and putting in the past, how is a Christian supposed to look at the overall plan of God's plan for history? 
you're supposed to see that the church is becoming triumphant. And we're going to go from strength to strength and conquer the world. That's what yeah. they really believe. That's what that is the philosophy and back of the march for Jesus that they had yeah. used to have in England. So they don't yeah. see God's plan for history. How do they overlook all they that? Read, they rewrite it, if essentially. They redefine it. You know, you know that hymn, Grant Kendrick, now is the time for us to march upon the land, yeah. building the kingdom of power. Now the words are absolute garbage. Because it, it it's based on this idea of dominion theology. And they would have the march for Jesus and they'd sing this 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 garbage. And and believe it. Now, of course, they didn't build the kingdom of God. Britain has gotten worse, the world's gotten worse. Um yeah. you see, it doesn't work. I mean, it it's sort of like when communism broke down and, and Mao and, and the Russian Politburo had to realize it didn't work. Marx was wrong. It's 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 not happening the way Marx said. It's not evolved into something better. But to, they had to keep propagating it and, and, and deluding the people and deluding themselves that it was going to work. This becomes something we, we call, of course, cognitive dissonance. The Jehovah's Witnesses do the same thing. When yep. Jesus didn't come in 1914, 1915, they come up with a cognitive dissonance. They find a way to try to keep believing something that is proven to have failed by moving the goalpost. You know yep. what I'm saying? Well, yep. Mormons have done things like that. A, a lot of cults have done things like that. The Roman church has done things like that. Well, preterists do things like that. They move the goalpost. All right, let me ask the second question because we got some more questions. Oh, sorry, man, I jumped in there. <laughs> Broke the line. Yeah. If preterism is true, who were the antichrist and false prophet? What was the mark of the beast? Who ruled the hundred and forty-four thousand? Where's the new heaven and new earth? Jacob, I think that I think they're trying to make a point, but the reality is, how did they get around the real? I mean, how did they get around antichrist, new heaven and new earth? How did they get around? Some of them would have said that it was the emperors. Now, the okay. emperors were antichrists, but they were not the deified emperors, but they were not the antichrist. They they would say it was Titus and, and Vespian, things like that. That would be one of the ways they did it. There was Titus yeah. and Vespian. So sort that, of a historical one. There's always yeah. one. And, and, and the 144,000, that was just symbolic. Yeah. Uh, how about Allegory. the new the Jehovah's Witnesses. The Jehovah's yeah. Witnesses believed initially well, there's 144,000 Jehovah's Witnesses. Then that was going to be the end of the world and Jesus was going to come back or whatever. Okay. When there was 144,001 Jehovah's Witnesses, they had to <laughs> say, no, those are just the anointed one. Yeah. <laughs> they spiritualize it. Yeah. They spiritualize the text. They're Gnostics. Yeah. Okay. Here's the next question. Is the Missouri Synod Lutheran Church Preterist? And do they believe in baby baptism or do they practice the Lord's Supper like the Catholics? And I guess, why do they wear special garments? The Missouri Synod and the Wisconsin Synod, they are more conservative in certain respects, at least traditionally they were more conservative, than the World Lutheran Congress, who are theologically liberal. Okay, they would at least profess the hold to some of the original principles of Luther, 
about salvation by grace through faith and the authority of Scripture against tradition. Okay, they 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 would would have traditionally been more conservative. They are drifting away from it now, and some of them are drifting away from it quite rapidly. You've got to understand catechetical Lutheranism. That's what I call it. Uh, a catechetical Lutheran would be somebody like that crazy guy, Chris Roseborough. He dresses like a Roman Catholic priest. He says that forgiveness for sins comes by kneeling down and telling him your sins. And his vow empowers him to forgive your sins in the name of the Lord. This is as simply a, a modified version of the Roman Catholic sacrament of, of, of confession, of penance. Okay? He prays just like in his Babylonian outfit, stands in front of an altar with a statue of Jesus that's not been crucified. That's why he likes Doreen Virtue. Her Jesus was not crucified either. There's no stigmata. And he prays in front of it. He says salvation comes this way. And they believe in what's known as consubstantiation. Consubstantiation is not quite transubstantiation. They don't believe the bread and wine are the have been um, become the body and blood of Christ in any chemical sense. That's not transubstantiated, which is what the Roman Catholic Church believed. It was just believes it's just Aristotle's accidents. That's only its appearances. It's actually the protoplasmic body and blood of Christ. What the Lutherans say is it's consubstantiated. There is an actual literal presence. It's not just a memorial. There is an actual consubstantiated presence of Christ in it. So what it is, 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 is this was debated at something called the Colloquies of Marburg, the Colloquies of Marburg in Germany, when Luther debated it and Aquampadius was there and so forth. In any event, let me put it to you this way. Catechetical Lutheranism is like high Anglicanism, high church Episcopalianism. Um, it is a hybrid of Protestantism and Catholicism. Mm. Like Catholicism, it is sacramentalist. But although it is sacramentally Roman Catholic, it is, or, or, or a version of it, it is ecclesiologically Protestant. In other words, they're Protestants who hold the Catholic beliefs. This is like the High Church of England. This is catechetical Lutherans like Chris Rosebro. This is... Um, uh, well, the Eastern Orthodox are actually the first cousins of it. They hold a lot of the same beliefs as Rome, only modified, but they're still organizationally, theocratically, in the part of Protestantism. They're Protestants who retain Roman Catholic sacramentalism, or at least their own modified version of it, if that makes sense. They're a yeah. hybrid Catholic and Protestant. They're not pure yeah. Protestant. And certainly not pure evangelical, they're a hybrid. Um, James, you grew up Lutheran. Am I explaining this ac accurately?
Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Pope authority. Yeah. And of course, it was an Augustinian monk. Yep. Yeah. Same Augustinian premise as as the Catholic Church. Uh, Jacob, why would Jesus mention Matthew Matthew twenty four fifteen and twenty one, which is about the abomination of desolation, and warn about something that had already happened? As I as I told you. In the book of Daniel in the Aramaic, the partial fulfillment with Antiochus is called Wings of Desolation. That which is about the Antichrist is the abomination of desolation. A distinction is made in the book of Daniel, and that's yeah. what Jesus is referring to. Yeah, he takes something as a picture, and then he uses that picture to tell you about when you see this happen, which would be happening that, and then he gives some more information about the final Antichrist. The Antichrist. Look, up to Daniel 11, chapter 11, verse 36, you had a partial fulfillment by Antiochus. Yes. Antichrist is going to come and in some way replay that and then fulfill the rest of it from verse 36 onward that Antiochus didn't. But the Mm -hmm. text, the original Aramaic, referred to by Jesus, makes a distinction between the wings of abomination and the abomination. Yeah. Very good. Now, this is not a question, but just more of a statement. Ask the preterists who were the two witnesses that died and the whole world was able <laughs> to see for three days just what they teach had in 70 AD allow that viewing. Yeah. So how could yeah. that have happened? Again, they don't always agree with each other. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of theological conflict within their own ranks. Mm-hmm. Put it that way. Yeah. Some of them, uh, some of them might say that, according to the record of Eusebius, that Peter and Paul were martyred under Nero. They might say something like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Know, the Antichrist gotcha. and that that they they might say things like that. Okay. Uh, one more. Preterism seems to be pivotal, pivotable or pivotal to a pre-trib view from the standpoint of imminent return, meaning they have had to have the 70th week already transpire in order for nothing to precede the return. I guess the question... I think that's a fair point, but I don't think it is uh, factors into the thinking of pre-tribulation people. I mean, what you say is logically correct as I have understood your statement, but I don't think... It, it, it's a factor in the equation of, of pre-trib people. Yeah, yeah many, many preterists. Yeah, many Go preterists ahead. believe we're beyond the millennium and currently reside in actually in the new heaven and the new earth. Now, not all of them, but many. And and so, like, if we're in the new heaven and new earth, the the New Testament epistles, which directly apply to believers today you know, as they were written for Christians on how to live between the two coming, but they apply an allegorical understanding of the Bible, and many of them reject a literal interpretation of the book of Genesis, and and they reject the uh, the flood, they reject the young earth creation, 
you know, so they get themselves into trouble all over the Bible, not just in the book of Revelation and Matthew, but they throw out Genesis. Yeah, there's yeah. only a few things they agree on. Beyond those few foundational points, those beyond those few essential false documents, they they are definitely divided against themselves on a range of other things. Very good. Uh, Jacob, real quick before we, we finish, because these are all the questions that we have. Uh, some of the guys that you would be concerned about for people to follow, of course, there's always uh, uh, different characters, different uh, people that promote these things. But off the top of your head, um, we can give some names, but off the top of your head, what is uh, some of the ones you influenced by the false teachings of the late Ralphus Rushduni, of D. James Kennedy, of Greg Bonson, of Gary North, of David Chilton, anybody influenced by those things? Rick Godwin at Eagle's Nest in, in San Antonio, Texas, definitely a false teacher. Anybody influenced by that, keep away from them. There are also aspects of George Eldon Ladd to be mm. very careful of. Mm. Sure. But a lot of but the reconstructionists are the most dangerous. Mm. A yes, lot of people in uh Reformed Presbyterians, OPC, Presbyterian, Church of America, you know. And yeah, that was D. James Kennedy's type stuff. Greg yeah, Bonson. You know, and you've got Gary DeMar, of course, yes. I mean, North, uh and Gary Demar, Steve Brett, all those guys, Hank Hanegraaff, all they were these, all guys. these guys. Yeah, yeah, you know. So there's a lot of them out there. So, uh, yeah, I think Gary to the DeMar, Bible. Yeah, yeah, Gary Demar uh, has influenced guys like Kirk Cameron, who he he, he uh, credits to bringing him out of dispensationalism into preterism, and he he made that movie monumental. Uh, where it talks about the founding fathers and getting back to America, which was a lot to do with and 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 you're gonna see it more in twenty twenty four with the election and the books like the fourth turning, which is you know basically claiming back America back to a Christian nation and getting back to revival, getting back to you know uh, on earth as it is in heaven, and you know getting back to the original intent of America a lot of Christians a lot of saved Christians who looked upon Donald Trump or Ronald Reagan as a latter-day Samson or Gideon or somebody like that who God has raised up to save the nation, yeah, a lot of them are influenced by preterism. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. In movies like Monumental, not saying you should go watch it, but if you wanted to do some research on it, it has a lot uh, on that. Also, the guy Ken Gentry, uh, who Ken wrote Gentry. the book The Divorce of Israel, uh, which is predicated on the book of Revelation, uh, as David yeah, pointed yeah. out, the divorce of Israel. So, um, yeah, Gary DeMarc and Gentry are the ones you mentioned, Jacob. R.C. Sproul, R.C. Sproul Jr. R.C. Oh. Sproul Jr., yeah. So uh, there's much to say on it, and it'll take years and hours to, to go through every single aspect of it. But I think one video that Davey uh, had mentioned earlier uh, on our pre-recorded meeting uh, was the debate between uh, Hitchcock, Mark Hitchcock, and uh, Hank Canegraaff on the date of the Book of Revelation. And uh, I think that's one of Jacob's favorite debates uh, because uh, I, I think he um, he wiped the floor with uh, Hank Canegraaff, Mark Hitchcock did. So, that, um, Hank Canegraaff said, I think my career is finished. The name of the book is 
the stake in the heart, the AD 95 date of the revelation. The end Who wrote time. that one? Who wrote that uh, one, David? That's Mark Hitchcock. Mark Hitchcock. Okay, very good. Uh, so that yeah. the, that's the oh, DVD that he had. Mark Hitchcock yeah. is both a doctrinal theologian and a lawyer. Um, yeah. And he he's a traditional pre-trib person. He's pre-trib, but he doesn't believe that the apostasy is the rapture. He argues right. against He's a yeah. more traditional, biblically-based pre-trib kind of guy. I'm not yeah. pre-trib, obviously, but he's at least a sane one. Um, he hasn't been caught up in the newfangled nonsense of the apost yeah. apostasia being the rapture. He's yeah, not we're only right. mentioning it from the perspective of a debate between him yeah. and Yeah, but Beatty did an excellent job taking on Hank, who's not yeah. only who's not only lost his way, he's lost his marbles. I watched an interview with him and Francis Chan recently, and the guy is just totally... He's, he, he took a great ministry of Dr. Uh, Walter Martin wounded. and took... Uh, Jackie Elnor's book and turned it into Christianity and Crisis, yeah, her outline and that she she wrote for, which I saw, she wrote for um, supporting CRI, but he took hijacked that ministry and then destroyed it. Yeah, very good. Uh, also, if they wanted to watch uh, some of Gary DeMar's debates with Dave Hunt, I mean, Dave Hunt wasn't necessarily a lot in eschatology, but I think you can learn a lot about you know, uh, I know he was a futurist, dispensational. That was Dave Hunt's uh, uh, point, and I think you can gain a lot from some of the the, the, the exchange between him and Gary DeMar if you wanted to watch those. But uh, all in all, like David said, stick to your Bible, stick to scriptures, find good ministries that would teach you the Bible, Bible only, and nothing but the Bible, and point to Jesus Christ as the future. Uh, basically, says that Jesus is going to come back. He hasn't come back yet, but he's coming soon. So, uh, Jacob Prash closes out. Uh, final encouragement has been a great great backstage we learned a lot i hope people just take this little uh i don't know how long we've been going but maybe 30 40 minutes on backstage and um uh, and and use it as a tool and present it as a uh, a great resource for people to want to know uh how to how to defend against preterism how to deal with it obviously it's not exhaustive there's much more to say on it we're going to write an article on it uh but to you jacob closes out we just like to uh thank people for watching this segment, um, the backstage, um, we urge all of our viewers and subscribers, please, YouTube is a feeder. Watch us on moriel.tv. Watch us on morieltv.org. Watch us on Rumble. Watch us on video. But please don't watch us on YouTube. They can give strikes. They can censor. they there's something to be avoided when you don't need them. Well, if you're watching this right now, you don't need them. Please watch us on one of the alternative platforms. Um, be encouraged. Peter, He's wanna, coming you wanna, soon. You want to give, what... give an encouragement? Yeah. Okay. My encouragement is something that David Wilkerson used to say. No matter how chaotic the world seems to become, no matter how much you see the world and its leaders losing their mind, no matter how much insecurity, uncertainty there is, no matter what happens, remember, God is in control. I got it. I got it. Okay.
Praise Jesus. Thank you guys for staying up with us. Thank you guys for watching live. Thank you guys for watching later. And we praise the Lord for you. We cover your prayers. We cover your encouragement. Lots of battles. It's a deep spiritual battle going on in the world. And it is at the heart of it is people's salvation. And so uh, keep preaching Jesus, support ministries that preach the gospel, teach the Bible, make disciples, pray for not only the Jewish people for the gospel's sake, for them to receive it, but also for the Arabs. They are trapped Amen. in the demonic religion called Islam, and they need to be let out of it and preach the gospel to the children of Abraham, both the Arabs and, of course, the Jews, the children Amen. of Abraham and Jacob. And please pray for the persecuted church uh, to think that Satan is bound, like the preterist says, and, and he's not causing havoc. I want to know who's destroying uh, the physically uh, some of these Christians in Nigeria and other places like that, who's deceiving people in the rest of the world if Satan is bound. Well, obviously, Satan is well alive on planet Earth, to quote from Hal Lindsey, but he's doing tremendous damage. But the gospel wins. The gospel wins. Jesus will come back and destroy Satan and throw him in the lake of fire. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Every blessing. <laughs>